So uh, welcome to Mechanations, a critical analysis and rewatch podcast. I'm Ignis Maddox. I have never shaken hands before. Steven Screech, Sylvia Noventa, hero. I'm PMC Trilogy, and I want you guys not to worry because we're not going to die in a podcast of this low caliber. <laughs> and this is Mechanations. <gasps> Sylvia Noventa! So, folks, this weekend I did a little traveling, and I had the actually remembered my Nintendo Switch this time, which means I had the opportunity to revisit a RPG featuring mechs, uh, and finally got mechs. It's not the one you're thinking of, Ignis. What game am I thinking of? What game uh, did I play a little bit of this weekend? Uh, well, I can't imagine it's Lost Sphere. Oh, so. no, it is Lost Sphere. Lost Sphere? Oh, okay. I finally got the Volco suits uh, in Lost Sphere. The Volco suits are the names of the mechs in that game. They're, they're you know, little little babby, weird, chibi mechs or whatever. Interesting. And th- it was bizarre. So I, I How bizarre? This, uh, don't. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, funny you should ask. <laughs> They don't have a default physical attack. I don't know. They don't have equipment slots in the menu. And the only abilities I had in combat when I initially got them were the magic techniques that the player characters already have anyway. So, so what? I don't know. The game was like, hey, Volco suits are powerful. You just have to manage your Volco points. Okay. Your VP. Your VP, sure. Of course. And that's really all, you know, all you got to do. What, so we and, don't know. And I was like, yeah, I was like, okay, well, if they're, you know, if they're if they're constrained in some way by resources, then it must be the case that they're more powerful. Sure, that's what I would think, right? But here's the thing, Ignis, about magic techniques in Lost Sphere. Uh oh. Instead of consuming MP, uh huh, it's more of a cooldown system. So it's a turn-based game. Okay. So like I use my magic blast turn one, can't use it again until turn three. Sure. Okay. Is it ATB out of curiosity? Uh, yeah, sort of. It's it, yeah, yeah. It's it's ATB basically. Uh, so it's a little, little, you know, a little huh. unusual. Okay. Uh, but yeah. So anyway, I I only did a little more because it's a bad game and it's mostly an albatross that hangs around my neck that oh, I'm, no. I'm gonna finish probably in 2022. Uh, so but I just want to give you guys that update that uh that. You know, I, I talk so much about Left Alive the past two weeks. I was going to say, you're swimming in dog shit. I'm really swimming in dog shit, and I need help. Uh, Please save me. So, uh, I mean, this is not, you know, this is stretching the definition of a, of a mech game, but I did I did complete Devil May Cry 5. Hmm. Uh, it was excellent. I recommend it highly. Um, what was your run? Do you know your playtime? No, I, I can, uh, I would, if DMC's I had... is probably like a 15, 20 hour game. If I had to guess, I, I definitely took my time. Um, there are a couple missions where you can choose between one of the three playable characters, mm. Dante, Nero, or V, the mysterious one. Um, and uh, in, in each of those cases where you could do that, I went and did that mission again with, with each of those characters. So, like, subtracting that, I would I would probably guess I, I did it in a clean, like, 12 to 15. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's a real... I would even for Devil May Cry, that's actually pretty slim. Devil May Cry is usually like 20, 23 hours tops. Um, that's a good solid length for a DMC game. Uh, for when you play V, uh, there is a, a mode of combat where you summon a, a large construct, and uh, it, there is a mode of play where you can ride on the construct. Uh, I would count that. That's I would say that's, that's a, mech. a mech. Yeah. yeah so okay. Devil May Cry Five is a mech game. All confirmed. right. Confirmed. Confirmed. 
Um, so yeah, excellent. Check it out if you're at all interested. I hear the PC port isn't good. Um, so oh no, I, wait. There's a PS. There's a PC port, really? Yeah, it's on oh. Steam. I hear, and I hear it's not optimized well. I um, mean, I feel like that's the case with literally every. I don't. Capcom's been pretty good though. With Mo- I know Monster, oh, yeah. they waited like nine months, right? But, uh, but that, Resident Evil Two is supposed they, to be great. They waited nine months. You yeah. Know. So this is well. I think that was market market wise because mm-hmm. they knew people would double dip. This isn't a mech game, but I know this has relevance for all three of us here at the mm-hmm. table. Uh, uh, you, there was an announcement, an exciting announcement for for PCs this week. The Master Chief Collection was was oh, announced to be yeah. coming to PCs, and you know, not the the, the Mjolnir armor is not really. I wouldn't call that a mech suit. Um, no, I, me neither. I I wouldn't say there are really mechs. I mean, honest. Okay, well, no way. Yeah, so, uh, aren't there in Halo Four or something or later? Yes, there, yeah, and five as well. Right. So I wasn't thinking that actually. I was uh, thinking of the uh, gosh, what is the Covenant enemy that is just a a pile of worms? In oh, armor? the hunters. The hunters. Yeah, those are mechs. Yeah, those are mechs. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, all three of us have a, a long history of, of, you know, playing Halo at LAN parties like you did in the mid-2000s. That's true. Um, Love to turn back the clock. Yeah, I mean, you know, if it works, you know. Yeah. No, I'll, absolutely. It, that, that's, I, I hate to say that, but MCC has a... Bad history. Yeah, yeah. And and in general, Halo has, I would say, checkered PC history. I mean, the the what was it called? The original release on PC, the Custom Edition. Was that what it was? Yeah, it, no, it was. Was it Custom Edition? Uh, Gearbox did the Halo. Well, I mean, one the, the CE comes from S- Combat Evolved. Yes, yeah. Uh, so I, I forget if the Halo, uh, the Halo one. Because I know Gearbox yeah. did do the port, uh, and I I love that version of the game. Yeah, had, had some great multiplayer maps. That had was some cool lobby, some cool weapons and stuff. They yeah. added like the flamethrower, which was hilarious for Halo, Halo Two. The PC port is exclusive to Vista. Right, yeah, Halo nice. Two Vista. Nice, <laughs> great, good job. Thanks. I'm not sure who handled that. I don't think that was internal by Bungie. It might have been. Right. I don't know. Well, that was during the uh, games for Windows. Era, yeah, right. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a Gears of War port that added a substantial part of the campaign to that edition. Yeah. Wait. Well, here we go. I'm gonna we're, I'm gonna segue us into Gundam Wing by asking an important question. Yes. This week on Twitch, I saw someone doing. Trial mode speedruns of Endless Duel. Oh, excellent. Okay. I, I think I might have what mentioned this. What was the viewer count on that sucker? Uh, less than thousands. 10. <laughs> and so I forget. I think I mentioned this in yes. the chat, but yes. maybe you can remind me what character is apparently the best character for trial mode in Endless Duel. Oh, I believe it's... Isn't it uh, Unit 03? Isn't it Heavy Arms? It is Heavy Arms, who apparently has a completely broken overhead. That seems right. That seems right. I mean, even based off of the series of episodes, although... It, I don't know if you would call the move that he does in episode yeah. 15 an overhead. Right, I guess we'll get right. to that. Yeah, we'll get to that. I guess we'll that. get to that. What the fuck? Anyway. Yeah, anyway, uh, yeah, that leads us into our, our action episodes. Our, yeah, our content. The word rule is commonly associated with oppression and arrogant actions. Stephen Hero, do you have some words for us? Yes, I do. So episode 14, starting us off, The Order to Destroy Zero One. Troa and Hero, holed up in some computer lab, possibly on their fifth bowl of top ramen, manage to track down <laughs> Sylvia Noventa, the granddaughter of the alleged pacifist and probable war criminal Marcia Noventa, for reasons. Meanwhile, Noina Relina, bedecked in some dope sartorial finery, Hell leisurely yeah. sailed down river to crash a party. Once inside, the pair patiently listened to Duke Dermale, who comes from a noble line of lackluster keynote speakers. Dermale, after railing against the sins of equality and freedom and extolling the virtues of hierarchy and control, introduces Trace Kushranada, who reads straight from the teleprompter. (laughs) 
Relina bolts for the stage where she condemns the lot of them before exiting stage left. Tro and Hero make for France where they hope to meet Sylvia Noventa. Coincidentally, Oz troops are also en route to raise the Alliance base in Marseille to the ground. Straight out of a World War II film, Hero ferries Sylvia out of the city while Troa makes an uneasy alliance with the remaining Alliance Leos, who I believe are the land mobile suits, <laughs> and helps repulse the attack. Outside the city, as the sun sets on yet another blood-soaked battlefield, Hero admits to Sylvia that he is responsible for the death of her grandfather. Seeking redemption and possibly an end to, this, to, an end to his embattled life, Hero hands her a loaded pistol. Sylvia, who can end this miserable show once and for all, refuses to pull the trigger and rebukes Hero for his cowardice. Oh, and Zex does some stuff. Episode 15, To the Battleground, Antarctica. All right, gumshoes, listen up. The ever-elusive pair of murder babies, Hiro Yui and Troa Barton, have stolen some of the world's most priceless landmarks, landmarks, and it's up to the Acne Detective Agency to solve the case. Here are four clues to help locate this elusive duo. They were headed full tilt for the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Two, they planned to watch the groundbreaking for the St. Peter's Basilica. Three, they wanted to see if Bernini had lost his marbles. Four, they wanted to meet General Eisenhower in Sicily. All right, intrepid gumshoes, just where in the world are Hero and Troa? Italy, that's right. The two travel the Mediterranean in search of Marshal Noventa's widow. In the process, they attract some unwanted Oz attention and earn themselves a tale. Deftly ducking these devious dudes, see Trace, I can do alliteration too, Hero and Troa meet up at a dockside storage facility, where they are met by Noin, who convinces a willing Hero and a reluctant Troa to come with her to Antarctica. Meanwhile, Relina and Pagan, her up until, unna- up until now unnamed butler, do some internet sleuthing to try and discover whether Hero, the pilot of the self-detonated Gundam, is dead or alive. At the same time, Trey's, who's been absent these last few episodes, decides to stretch his legs and work through some of the pressing issues of the day. In the process, he's nearly an accomplice to child murder. Oz troops intercept Noin's carrier, momentarily grounding them. Shit goes down, end scene. And finally, episode 16, The Sorrowful Battle. I purposely wanted this to be a surprise for Ignis. And that's my summary. That's the bit. That's the whole summary, folks. Excellent work. I, I enjoyed these a, an awful lot, especially for 15. All right. Uh, oh, boy. Uh, oh, oh, boy. This was a... Uh, I'm glad we decided to do this as a unit. This, these, it worked nicely. Yeah, these three definitely work well together. I also, when I pick up floppy disks, it hurts my arms, too. <laughs> yeah. No, no, well, and they're so heavy. Really. Right. That's, anyway, thank God we just do everything over the network now. <laughs> so I, I want to cover this now before I forget. Because it's a pressing, it's going to be a pressing issue in all three of these episodes. Um, it's good to know that when you blow up the mobile suit that you're riding, the only thing that gets injured is your arm. That's yeah. It. Why is it? The, did he just land on the arm? Just is really, that I, really badly? Apparently. apparently, and not only that, but it seems like you know, like based off of what we see in fifteen and sixteen, it's like up, his upper arm kind yeah, of. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's not like. That's why I'm saying landed, right? It's not like, you know, he, he like, I don't know, punched a wall afterwards. He's like, I can't believe I did that. Uh, you know? Well, I almost wonder if, like, uh, you know, in the shots where we return to your favorite mode of transportation, Troa's uh, gigantic bench seating. It's still around. I'm so <laughs> mad about it. I, I almost wonder if he, like, got out of it awkwardly. Like, he got his arm stuck in the seatbelt or something. and was like, ah, and pulled it in a weird way. Because otherwise, he's, the rest of his invincible boy body is completely fine. Mm. 
Uh, Later on, though, it's interesting to note that Hero's injuries, particularly the arm injury, do mimic the damage done to the Gundam unit itself. Right, yeah. Which, of course, is a mecha trope, but <laughs> it's a quote-unquote nice touch. No, it is. It, there's an, it, like, when we get to 16, we'll talk about how much Zex, like, Zex is such a tryhard in 16. It's incredible how much he tries to account for what he perceives as something standing in the way of a fair fight yeah. and how it's basically just embarrassing Hero and Troa the whole time. Mm-hmm. But in any case, uh, Troa... I have a note here, Troa skinny jeans. Um, <laughs> uh, they're doing... There's a lot of like mid-90s just going to the library internet mm. research in these series yeah. of episodes. Yeah. Um, although I'll have to put Zex on blast in 15 when we're talking about Pagan doing his research. Because uh, <laughs> anyway... Uh, Relina, we cut to uh, immediately after some uh, research where we establish, you, you know, the the details of Troa and Hero's guilt trip, is which I referred to. Right, to. guilt trip is correct term for it. Definitely. <laughs> um, we cut to uh, we we return finally to Noin and Relina, who we know have been heading to Moscow for something. I want uh, this buddy cop film. I really do like uh, the two of them. I agree. And I also think they fill out each other's deficiencies. All right. So all right. Originally, I had. And this is a generalization. I'm not subscribing to this. But originally, I was like, all right, Noin's kind of the brains, and Relina's kind of the brawn. All right? Because Relina, she's a teenager. And this is what I like about the show, how it authentically displays her as a teenager. Yes. And she says a lot of stupid shit at times. Right. She suffers from what most Gun and Wing characters suffer from, is that their words don't make sense when they come out. Yeah. Relina, unfortunately, because I I don't want to... Relina's very intelligent, don't get me wrong. Yes. But the problem is, when she speaks... Garbage, some not garbage, but nonsense sometimes comes out. So it is a a. I, I don't know. I don't know if I was cutting you off. Um, oh no, no, I was keep going. Uh, well, so this is something we've we've touched on before. It's going to come up again today. It's it's the two prong problem of the script itself not being great and the translation making it worse. Yeah, like it's it's. Especially today, anytime Relina is trying to reflect philosophically, like right here in this moment, we get an excellent. Um, we could have made them look like anything, and we made them look like oh. us. No, that's what I originally said. Right. So I saw that scene. Noin tends to have a lot of lines that, A, just sound nice. Yeah. They, ha- they have clarity, and they're poignant. They they make sense, and they impact me rather deeply Him, at times. Her performance is real good. And Relina, so that's why I, I originally tempered my rather harsh assessment originally and said that Noin makes a great mentor figure for Relina, I thought. Right. I, I think in this world where... For especially for what Relina is going to need to be doing, because in many ways she is the like she will be the Sansa Stark of this show, where yeah. she's going to be the one that needs to learn how to maneuver in this in this world. Mm-hmm. Um, and and even here in this moment, uh, you know, we'll get to it. It's fucking baller. Um, uh, she does something that wasn't the correct thing, propriety wise, to do, but is. We know now her core is correct. Like even though it's leaning on the dumb boys and mm, not her, her yeah, own, right. but oh, she yeah. is correct to to say, uh, you know, after Jermail's uh, uh, actually fascism is good speech. You know, uh, no, you're all fucking dumb and wrong. Yeah. It, it actually, what it reminded me of immediately is um, uh, all of us have seen Black Panther, right? Yes. Um, in the, the uh, middle of the film, he goes to Panther Heaven and he gets to yell at all of his ancestors about how they're dumb and wrong. Which is an excellent cathartic mm. scene. Yeah. Which which this reminded me of immediately. Yeah. 
Um, so I do want to touch on that Noin line too, because I think it's the line that is yeah. so often explored in Mecca in general. Right. I love that idea of asking why, why Max? Yeah. Right. Why Max? And I, I think um, the fact that they they tie it into the nature of the Romafeller Foundation, which is that. The Romafeller Foundation, because I feel like lots of times you get throwaway bits like, oh, well, bipedal mechs can navigate uneven terrain sure, better or something, sure. which I'm not like always really sold on. Mm-hmm. But I really like that they tie it into the Romafeller Foundation saying, you know, we wanted to recreate the sword fights of old. Like mm-hmm. that's we want we did this intentionally, <laughs> you know, which is, I, I, you know, I don't know if I'm just reading that or if that's written that way, but like feels that was my smart. Yeah, I, I think I think. Coming out and saying, like, yeah, of course, giant mechs of laser swords is ridiculous, but we're a bunch of old aristocratic shits, so this is what we want. Well, and and I think, um, I, one, I agree with you. I think that's entirely the correct read, is is that they the, the Romerfeller Foundation in particular are in love with a specific image of war. Fucking Zex is going to be talking about this later in a scene where he says some nonsense in episode right, 16 about right. how he is, has an aesthetic of war. That that sentence means nothing when he yeah. says it. But yeah. and even but even in the heat of action too, right? He gets so excited for the sword fight part. Yeah. Right. You know, it's like it's very much mimics what we're talking about here with the Roman Fallon Foundation wanting this kind of combat. And and it's it's in many ways it's canny of Gundam Wing to take advantage it's that thing that we've been begging it to do forever which is to take advantage of the tone that it's working in like if, if it leaned into its own ridiculousness a little bit more and here in this moment where it says like oh the Roma fellers are cosplaying clowns and they love the image of it all so uh, creating these like making it because knowing has a line about how if it was just like a series of buttons and switches that you pressed and and death came out of it it wouldn't have the same image as these towering mobile suits have and and i was like oh, okay cool gundam wing yeah you, you said it in a in you know the, <laughs> the typi- dumbest way possible right the typically rid- most ridiculous way we shouldn't barrel past the the narrator by the way letting us know that Everything has been according to Roma Feller's Keikaku. I was gonna say before we leave the the really annoying convo, the, the one other bit at the end of that convo though is the bit about you know we we talked already about Roma Feller loving the beautiful noble game of war mm-hmm. and Rolina. Well, it's like actually a frenzy death is the most honest way, which is typical flowery Gundam Wing. That's prose. right. Yeah, if, no one's like, line, yeah, yeah. I, I get it, what she's trying to right. say. It, it, the 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 like the, the whatever substance is there. I'm like, yes, you are the antithesis to these people. I get it. Right. This is a, an unusual way to write it. <laughs> I know. But then she says too, there's no formality when it comes to killing men. If there were, it would be in a form of a game in which people's lives were toyed with. But people's lives are being toyed with no matter what either. So again, it's very flowery language, and also imp- it too often impedes clarity. Right. It's it's. Uh, I agree with what PMC is saying that the essence of what is trying to be communicated there is. I get it, but now it's uh, for me. It's because I feel like I understand Gundam Wing ease, and not because that's true. It's written well. Do you see what I'm saying? Right. Like, but but having said that, yeah. That that essence is what makes Rulina such a good character. Like no matter what, like you know, we've we've we're a couple episodes into this now, and all three of us have have definitely ragged on Gun Wing like a lot. If there's one thing to take away, have I? 
<laughs> if there's one thing to take away, one, you know, PMC and I, Ignis, are, are definitely still enjoying it, but in a like perverse way. And two, Relina is legitimately great. And 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 three, two A, I would even say the the supporting lady cast are legitimately great. It's the way they act is the result of misogyny for sure. But the they are also acting in a way that I often find to be admirable and and like good. It's just that. I know behind it is a dumb, bad idea. Yeah. Noin, for me, acts a lot as a moralizing force, even though she doesn't put action to her words. Right. Melina does the action. She does the heavy lifting. Noin expresses it very clearly. Yeah, I mean, I think... To, to She's blunted, unfortunately, by her devotion to Zex. Right. Yes, exactly. I was going to yeah. say, contrasting Relina and Noin, I don't think Relina indulges Hero in the same way that Noin indulges Zex. But she is blinded by Hero at times. Certainly. She says yes. some ridiculous stuff about Hero later on. I, I think that the difference, the key difference for me, is that Relina has a consistent record of self-actualizing through her relationship to Hero. Even in this moment after she has her speech, mm-hmm. um, we, when we get to it, um, when Zex looks at her, or not Zex, I'm sorry, Trey's looks at her, the show parallels her... Trey's looking at Relina. On Relina. On Relina. She parallels her resolve to Hero's resolve blowing himself up in the mech. Yeah. And Noin, the show has not yet seen fit to give Noin the same moment to draw strength from that relationship, mm-hmm. which is, I think, the key difference. It is not a... It, I wouldn't describe Hero... Actually, in, the, in a weird way, I would describe Hero and Relina's relationship as, like, a equivalent one. There's something, like... You know, there there is a power balance there that I believe, and uh, the power balance between Zex and Noin is different. It's not the same. In 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 that Noin is much more giving, and Zex is is just a receiver. Like he he does not. And I'm not saying that Hero is a giver of like affection or always act on your emotions. Yeah. Well, that's the other problem with Hero is that I feel like. Zex is a more consistent character than yes. Hero is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yes. the thing is, though, whatever Relina is getting from her pursuit of Hero, there, I believe there's something being received there from her. And that is believable to me. And I'm not sure if it's just because of the the, the nature of their relationship is one that I, I like. It's a trope. It's a Beauty and the Beast situation. Mm-hmm. It's It's, you know, you have your... Your uh, your stoic or reserved male character who is is distant for some reason, and it's usually involves like a history with combat or some kind of trauma or being a vampire. Like, do, do you see? Like, th- this setup is a classic one. Yeah, I want to go so far as to call him a Byronic hero, but it's shades of that. Oh, sure, certainly. This hero is not not intellectual; it doesn't work out. Right, but. exactly. Like, it, there is. It's a um, anyway. So before Noin and Relina. Enter the rich people party. Oh, real quick, I do want to point out there's a lot of dope shots with mechs around the Roma Fellow organization. Yes. I really like those shots. Those those Leos, the Land Mobile suits, looked fancier than normal, right? Yeah. Were, were those like a little bit bulkier or maybe. I mean they they had the royal purple, right? Right. So that's uh that's aristocratic. Um uh uh so before they enter the rich people party, Noin does a very smart thing and uh pats down Relina, makes sure <laughs> she's not packing heat. Relina can't blame Noin, uh, neither can I. I called uh, Noin the voice of reason and Relina the sword of justice. Yeah, yep. that's apt. Uh, actually, I, I wrote here, uh, Noin says, don't be hasty. Relina says, I won't. 
the narrator said she will. Yeah. Nice. Uh, I can't make sense. Okay, there's a thing I can't make sense of in this episode. Sure. I want to hope that Mr. Stephen Hero and Mr. Agnes Maddox can help me out here. Uh, Two conversations that I want to link together. Uh, First, there is the bit of narration where the narrator talks about Oz being the sort of manifestation of the Roman Feller Foundation's current plan of action. Uh And then there's also a later conversation. uh, I think this is after... Uh, the worst keynote speaker ever uh, when Noin is uh, talking so hard at Relina that she loses track of Relina. And <laughs> Noin, Noin talks about how Oz needs to keep winning to survive. And the question I have here is in the narration, the narrator talks about Romafeller acting directly on the alliance. Romafeller right. provides the mobile suits. Romafeller is now engaged in the coup. Mm-hmm. And then Noin's speech makes it sound more like Oz is a separate entity that is sort of an agent, like kind of like an employee that it needs to sort of not get fired. You know, it needs to keep winning so that it doesn't, Romafeller doesn't just chuck it into the garbage bin and picks up their next pawn. And so my question here is, like, is that take right? Or are they just using Roma Feller and Oz interchangeably? I think it's more... I've went back and forth about this a few times, because you'll note that the narrator says, they soon provided mobile suits to the United Earth Sphere Alliance, meaning Roma Feller, while continuing to increase their own force. Does that mean Roma Feller has its own forces in addition to Oz? But instinctually, I want to say that essentially they're interchangeable, that Oz is a paramilitary organization within the United... Within the alliance, similar to, not to bring up so odious an example, but like the SS within the greater German army. Right. We could look at any sort of odious, the, the you know, the, the, the black and tans or something, mm-hmm. like any odious sort of special core. But I think Oz is in, more interchangeable with the Roma fellow. Okay. That's my read on it. Uh, so there are two things, I think, going on here. And, and before I get into to that, I, I should say that what makes this hard is that knowing Noin in particular and her feelings about Oz are not easy to suss out from one, what she says and two, what she's been doing because, uh, you know, we saw her shoot the bad lion off of the, the hat and, you know, we can take from that that she doesn't feel any particular special feelings towards Oz, but at the same time, she's also been working for them for, for years and years and years, empowering mega fascists in the, at the hopes of it empowering Zex. Uh, so it's so basically here's the two things I think she's trying to make the case for Oz to Relina like the they're within their logic right within so because because it's what Zex is or Trey's has been saying I keep doing that uh, what Trey's has been saying forever which is like the the proper state of the world is a manufactured conflict uh, and that the only way to achieve a a a structured society that makes sense is for one strong thing to hold dominion and for everything to try and vie for that dominion um and that's what she's saying basically is like uh the 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 part that gets confusing is when she's talking about the 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 previous rule that resulted the bad rule that resulted in poverty um who fucking knows that line that I had to jump out the window who, at that line. Yeah. Just like, yeah, I, I, all of us are, are shaking our heads and shrugging audience because like, I just let it pass. But I was like, fuck no. Yeah. I, cause, <laughs> there's cause no text here. There's there, nothing I can work. There's with. exactly. It's exactly right. There's just nothing to talk about who the fuck knows, which is a shame. 
It, it, right? It, yeah, that would be great to somehow have a read on that or especially related to 2019 or anything. Right, you know, like, exactly. We would love to work with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 hard to say how Noin feels about this whole situation that she's espousing right now. It seems like she is contemptuous of it. It seems like she, like, because I'm honestly, why did, why did they bring Merlina here? Well, because Trey's invite. Trey's invited the younger sibling of someone he no remember because Trey says he invites Zex at the right. end of this like when 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 Trace is like trying to I thought Noin my read yeah. on it I didn't think too much about right. it but Noin brought Relina basically to see how the sausage is made to no. possibly turn yeah, her against that's us. probably actually the reason I think that's it so yeah. so the reason I bring that up is because um it 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 makes me feel like the uh, the goal was for for Rolina to be clear on, or for Zex to make clear to Rolina who the enemy is. But it seems like, from when we watch more episodes, that Zex doesn't really feel strongly about the Roma Feller Foundation being bad. Because well, like the whole, I mean, part of the arc of these three episodes is that Zex is having like some personal problems and he's not handling them responsibly well so, like, so. <laughs> that, that is correct but like you know and i don't know how much we want to get caught in this cul-de-sac because we should we're still in like the first like five minutes yeah of the I, know, I know i know i know um, <laughs> but um this one's running long folks uh the the like so he he joins the forces of the alliance in order to eventually get revenge one day and in the process of that he becomes an oz forces member um, and he's with Oz. I okay. So uh, you know, quick. I, I had to look up some dates because I was confused about a bit that we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So um, he is he is at least oh, a yeah, part okay. of Oz since <laughs> before Colony One Eight Six. He's at least a part of Oz at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I feel like you're Gandalf and Fellowship just going through the stacks of paper. That's exactly right. I was sitting there, like, just, like, with all my candles lit, looking through stacks, and then, like, I, I was... Anyway, he's at least a member of Oz for that long. Um, Oz is explicitly an arm of Roma Feller. That, like, that's that's not... There's no secret about that. That The Roma Feller is a financial group of some kind, and Oz is their military arm that manufactures yeah. military weapons. Um, if Oz blinked out of existence, I don't think there would be a secondary army within Roma Feller. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the the thing that the show makes very unclear, but I think is easy to defer here or to infer here, is that Roma Feller were probably the ones who, or at least helped kill the Saint Kingdom. Yeah, right, definitely. Yeah. Like that's definitely. easy to say from this the speech I'm, that Dermail yeah. gives about how like oh we we tried equality and and fairness and that corrupted and like it's it's well, like well oh. I mean it, it, the the speech here is like a perfect encapsulation of of right wing thought. So the and, GOP it, convention it, is weird. Yeah, this year. yeah. I don't know it's who very, they invited uh, this guy. It's basically, it's very Hobbesian. Uh, <laughs> right. Thomas Hobbes, the it, Leviathan. It's like by the way, you know, dialogue is only useful until we lose and like the moment we lose in any way shape or form we gotta get right to force because like you know it, humans so, are inherently brutish creatures yeah they act selfishly they need a strong system of control to prevent that and this system of control that i'm advocating not steven hero but 
Good old Dermail. <laughs> Dermail. Is uh, aristocracy. Yeah. And Thomas Hobbes, of course, argued for an absolute monarch. Right. And, and we're, we're great. We earned our way to the top. We deserve to rule. Oh, yeah. You know, that's the <laughs> other important well, part. The word rule is commonly associated with oppression and error. <laughs> it's action. a very, like, he's given, like, the uh, Webster's dictionaries to find rule as. And, you know, Trey's isn't the most charismatic person, but he's also not. Not charismatic at times, and he gives this very rehearsed speech. He's like, God made people free, which is why we need fascism. And crowd approves is the subtitle. (laughs) I love how at the beginning, though, he comes out. No one's clapping. No applause for the conqueror of the alliance. And then he's basically reading off cue cards. He's also quieter than normal. I I really expected him to be like, is this thing on? Like. (laughs) I, um, so uh, as as you alluded to earlier, PMC, yeah. uh, when or or maybe it was Stephen, I actually forget uh, that that Noin was talking so yeah, hard, so that hard, she lost track of. Because uh, <laughs> I wrote down Noin blinks, uh, Relina on stage with Mike. Hey, fuck y'all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Relina gets on stage and she she lets the rich people know one, fascism is bad. Uh, two, eat the rich except for me. And three, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm the Gundams are gonna gonna get you. And Noin does a an incredible acrobatic maneuver. The sound uh, is incredible. <laughs> like the sound of her jump, like, amazing. <laughs> wow, Relina, that's enough. It's it's extremely good. Uh, gets Relina off stage, and uh, she's accosted by a couple of the. Oh fuck! Okay, so who sees that? Who sees who sees the explosion? Is it Relina imagining it? Does Trey see the explosion it's, in Relina's it, eyes? It's Trey's. Because okay, so I heard, I th- my read on my was like, is this is this new type shit? Is this like a preternatural spark of recognition? So is I, this the soul of outer space? I I okay. So there are two things here. One, uh, Trey's definitely notices something. It's it's hard for me to say definitively whether it he is seeing the what we the audience are seeing. Because I, I do think the image we're shown there is meant to let us, the audience, know that Relina's resolve, her will here, is is as strong as right. dumb suicidal hero. Now, I don't I don't know how that image would mean anything to Trey's, who has not been involved at all with any <laughs> anything to do with Hero or the Wing Gundam or anything. I, I think it's possible that someone yeah. showed him some that's, that's, some footage. That's or, my problem with Trey's being the one to sort of like. I, I appreciate the visual storytelling yes. for just the reason you said. Yes. Right? it communicates that Relina is on the same level of uh, of committing herself right. as well. Because that's a, that's another theme here that we're going to get to, which is that. The, the boys commit themselves to the action, whereas someone like Trey's commits other people to the action. Sure, yes. Uh, so, you know, and, and so I, I'm, but also at the same time, the way it's communicated on screen uh, is not just to us, the audience, but it almost seems like it happens when Trey's notices yes, it. Yes, yeah. But that image doesn't mean anything to Trey's. It, it can only really mean anything to us, right. the audience. It's, 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 it's clumsy. Yeah, I would agree. Or, or I, I don't like. I feel bad calling it clumsy because they they clearly meant for it to communicate because it worked. It right? worked like, for us, we, the audience. We picked it up, um, but there is no reason for Trey's to see that image anyway. Like it, it could have. I almost wish if I had the editing skills, I would edit just anything into. <laughs> yeah, that. I, w- I would. I would edit like Trey's sitting in the bathtub, like exploding behind y- Relina. Yeah, exactly. You know? And Trey's goes, hmm. I, un- I understand now. <laughs> I understand. You have incredible resolve. Um, uh, uh, so we're not so different, you and I. So Trey's, you know, uh, does cover for Relina a little bit here, though. Doesn't isn't explicit about who Relina is. Um, you know, basically, 
invents what she was because she's like, oh, she was just saying she detected y'all were anxious about the Gundam. She was just saying be more confident. Um, Which is great, too, because it just shows how stupid these people are. Yeah, they're all so fucking dumb. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, they're all there. So so something I, I, I don't know how familiar you guys are. Um, there is an X-Men uh, group of villains called the Hellfire Club. And the Hellfire Club are actually very similar to the Romerfeller Foundation, which I'm going to say it specifically like that so I don't get caught up saying, confusing it with any other proper nouns or names. Romerfeller is what I'm going to say. <laughs> okay. From now on. All right. The Hellfire Club are, are very similar in that they, they, they aren't, they look like they're dressing in a Victorian era or something like that, but they're modern contemporary X Men villains that, that put, act in this specific way because they're in this echelon of society. Right, right. right. And and we can see here that the members of the Romerfeller all dress like they're in Pride and Prejudice, right? Uh, and, and that seems like one um, Japanese pop media signifier for aristocratic European folk. That seems like what's the main thing that's meant to be communicated here. I don't think this is a Firefly um, Doctor Who we've come so far around in history of fashion scenario where we've just we've just come back to um, no i don't think so i don't think they put much thought into it. they just like the aesthetic that's what yeah, i'm saying yeah. i think it's just signifier I, I, I don't think just it's- just recently got through a two-parter in double zeta gundam where the same sort of thing happens where neo zeon shows up on earth and all these aristocrats looking just like this right show up to hobnob before haman khan and be like hey we're going to help you out because they all think she's going to win. And of course, you know, they don't, you know, they don't have morals. They just have a desire to, you know, uh, keep power and, you know, cling to whatever the, the, the dominant wave is. So I, I just think it's interesting that, um, this, the Gundam wing understands the, the image well enough to communicate like, Oh, these people are all like prigs. They're all, they're all performing at a higher social stand just to, to for their own fun like not because they any of them deserve it they're all clowns essentially uh i think i think we're done here right yeah we can uh, move on so we got we got two more scenes in this half of the episode i think that we well i'm grouping one set of scenes together so i uh noin makes a skype call to zex yeah um and noin uh is letting him know like hey relina seems to know a lot doesn't know who you are uh also, uh, the rich people have heard about you doing your weird thing with the Gundam, and they want you to stop. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Zex is fucking rude and, and walks away during the Skype call, and is still like, I'm trying to imagine, like, you know, I've been on some Skype calls before, um, and, uh, you know, I've, I, I have a desktop mic, and I'm trying to imagine, like, shouting from the kitchen <laughs> on my desktop mic while I'm on the Skype call talking to someone I know, and about, you know, it's like... <laughs> So what are you going to do about the Gundam? <laughs> um, you hear him like opening up a can of beer or something? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, One question I have about all of this uh, Relina Zex Noin stuff is uh-huh. how much of the itinerary is Noin taking things upon herself? Because we never get a scene where Zex tells Noin to do any of this stuff. But... Noin is clearly updating Zex on the proceedings, so I think Noin's acting somewhat independently. Okay, and that—that's my read as well. I think Zex basically gave her a little carte blanche to yeah. just you know he wants Relina protected. Some, well, not yet, but but it's almost like he's so ashamed of himself. Yeah, that that's the reason we never see him doing it because they feel like that it has to be there to inform his character. 
So yeah, I mean, uh, I I think the the I think she's acting independently. I think the thing we're supposed to take away is that Zach's and Noin's relationship is such as that Noin ju- does know the line she's not supposed to cross. Although when we get to sixteen, we'll we'll see that she changes her mind. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I believe that that's what we're supposed to take away. Yeah, no, I, I think that's right. Yeah. Um, Noin is just a very, very loyal, like, like number one man for for Zex. Can you please tell me about your favorite fictional? No way, I can't do that to you, Stephen Hero. <laughs> can you please tell me about your favorite fictional character? Is this a bit? Am I in a bit? It's a little bit of. A it's bit. a little bit of a bit. It's we- Sylvia Noventa. <laughs> So I mean, if Sylvia Noventa were were a god, I would actually be okay with that. I think so maybe that's the one name that. So a lot of these names are. Now, this show is full of stupid names. Yes, but Sylvia correct. Noventa has a nice flow to a nice. No, cadence. Sylvia Noventa seems like. And it's there's a like real the name. mechanic later on named Jeff or Jim. I was like, where did this yeah, name come from? Jim, oh, yeah, that Jim. Oh no, the other chief it's engineer. It's only in Jim. the dub too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like that's correct. Hey Jim. Yeah, he calls him Jim. The other. I don't guy. think that's really his name. Here's no. Frito Backpack and Jim. <laughs> Frito backpack is correct. Uh, so kudos but, to have her made that yeah. sweet. So just before that scene where oh, okay. we cut into trays, we do cut, well, we but, do cut to yeah. Well, both of them talk about God we're, is what unites the two scenes. That's what I was going to say. Is the the connecting idea is is that that Relina um, trays presumes to speak for God. But because he does not believe in God, he believes capital G God. We're talking about yep, by the way. Yep. It seems to be Judeo Christian. Capital G God, um, in the way that that anime tends to sort of like, because they're 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 definitely pro- positing Capital G God, or at least Relina does, as some sort of moral or ethical yeah. force, some kind of judgmental right. force. She's talking about God when she's really talking about her own moral philosophy, right? Exactly, and and Trey's is, is using God as this this fictional. Uh, authoritative figure that that uh, an idea that everyone will understand yeah, from it, it, that an element in his toolkit yes more so than an actual moral well, especially philosophy. because he's speaking to these aristocrats and you have to think about these japanese creatives too looking at what they know these brush strokes of western right. feudalism how right. this entire order is dictated by this ap- divine right of kings sure right yeah. i think that's exactly what they're going for i think trey's understands that i think trey's also spills his wine yeah have either of you ever done that why, like what was, why, why did he just spill wine from the like the second floor mezzanine or whatever <laughs> onto the onto the floor like like i know trey's just kind of does stuff like we'll get to that we'll get to more trays just sort of doing stuff i think this this has nothing on the bubble bath in the greek for, uh, temple but. i just don't know what the show's trying to tell me yeah right like what the fu- like what is he i mean well we remember the is in he the, fucking rude like is the, that what the, like? the intro pod i think gave us unfortunately the real answer which is just that the creators think trays is cool yeah right. see yeah. I, I read it so cynically like that there's nothing fucking here yeah i think you're right i think it, they just think he's a cool dude but yeah it's, I, I'm sure the animator's name is probably Jim. Like Jim, have him spill his wine. Jim, the wine. Um, I, I. So we meet here, Sylvia Noventa, who is being protected by some Alliance soldiers. Oh, hold on. These two might have the worst dub in the show. <laughs> Sylvia and the captain. So this. I also had a romantic read in the dub. There is the captain. I'm calling. I don't know if he is. He's a captain. Yeah, he, he has a stupid hair cap. guy. Is yeah. what I called him, hair guy. Yeah. And then he says later, like, Oh, Sylvia. Oh, Sylvia. <laughs> I wonder if, as I was reading, there's like something out of uh, 
uh, Gone with the Wind or something. Yeah, it's it's um. So what I put in my note here is uh, Sylvia's <laughs> grief has aged her voice. <laughs> That's what I put um, because she really she has the 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 the, the uh, she has the looks of like. Uh, I would say the same age as our pilots, like 15 or 16. Okay. All right. So, by the way, I have something very important to talk about here now that we're on the subject of age. We're going to get back to Sylvia Noventa, I promise. But in the process of of doing the research I was doing for something that comes up in episode 15, I I learned important facts about some of our main characters. Are you ready? Please. Okay. Is it about a pagan? Do you want to guess how old Zex Marquise is? 23. 19. Because now you're saying that, so he's yeah, definitely younger. Yeah, he's than younger. We, we, nineteen years old. Oh shit! <laughs> Zex Marquise is shut nine, it down. Nineteen <laughs> years old. Ah! All right. So, do you want to know then, for example, how old Trace Kushranada is? Twenty nine. Am I older than Trace? Twenty five. We are all 25. older than Trace. Yeah, we're all older than Trace. One hundred percent. Trace is twenty four years old. <laughs> This this is okay. Wait, run that by him again. Yeah, twenty four years old. Zex is nineteen. Ah! Yeah, that the nineteen is the one that fucks me up. That I've been like, older than Trace Kushernata for six years. Yeah, this is fucked up. I agree. I am right there with you, one hundred percent. I, I would have is... pegged him honestly at thirty five. Me too. Yeah, me too. Because okay, well, I mean, so, he's, he's a vampire, so who knows how yeah. old he is? So the one thing I will say, he's actually a nine thousand year old. Dragon. Yeah. The one thing I will say now is that. <laughs> Zex does act like a nineteen-year-old, but I but he looks like a like like forty like thirty at yes. least. I would yeah. put him at well, I think the mask ages him up a bit. Yeah, I, hear I mean, you. He, you know, he. I feel like uh, I was trying to think of what anime characters or anime design characters that Zex reminds me of, and one of the ones that I think of is um, uh, what's his name, Siegfried from Xenogears? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know, we know oh, Siegfried yeah, yeah. is like the yeah. older generation, right? He's right. Like the same age as Satan and other stuff, right? So. Uh, I don't know. It's- no, I, I. So yeah, I mean, so Sylvia looks like she's our Gundam pilot's age. Like the the fact that the pilots are like fourteen or fifteen doesn't bug me out too much because that's I would say typical. Yeah. Of of that like like genre of fiction, it is fucked up that a fifteen year old is involved in any of this. Like one of these days we will like our podcast will have a reckoning with some of that stuff. Like I would like to sit down and have a conversation about some of the ideas that Gundam Wing dabbles in but doesn't dare to really examine because of how fucked it would be i just looked up how old do you think pagan is he's 12 (laughs) (laughs) oh man i wish that was true i wish like this uh uh, show just leaned into this so okay uh sylvia's grief has aged her voice uh there's i really want i want like a dub where we get the uh the dr mrs girlfriend voice yeah to be sylvia noventa oh that'd be perfect (laughs) yeah that's exactly right um (laughs) behind hair guy behind steven's favorite hair guy Uh, you just pointed to steven hero and said behind hair guy and i was like wow (laughs) sick burn (laughs) i in fact have no hair i used to when we were all young i used to have anime that's correct um, behind hair guy, there's a guy with a helmet, uh, who I really appreciated. Uh, I didn't grab the time code. Hopefully I'll be able to send it to, uh, I did pick up on him. He yeah, looked a little ridiculous. Helmet, on helmet. I've never seen that helmet before. It looked extremely good. I hope he brought it from home. Uh, Do you guys remember how many mobile suits there are in this scene? A 10, I ten? think. Ten. Yes, 10. Yeah, I, I know. love quantifying. Up that. in the ante. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, they said, they, someone said, send five mobile suits. Wait, send five more. Send five more. <laughs> That'll cover it. So um, Sylvia is evacuating the premisei, uh, and in the process, uh, uh, okay. So um, th- some Oz soldiers are attacking. I, 
Um, uh, I had to get Sylvia Noventa. I mean, I don't know, man. Well, Oz is going from base to base, yeah, too. Yeah, Oz yes. is just cleaning up bases, right? right? Uh, so, well, during the fight, someone, I think it's an Oz soldier, yells, Ha, this is like a gorilla attack. No, it's not. <laughs> I also But also, I couldn't ascertain 100% who, what idiot said that. <laughs> it's an open street fight. It's, yeah, so it's not... I, I like one of your spy movies. Yeah, yeah. I also did not know what he meant by <laughs> one that. One thing I'm glad of in this uh, in these few episodes is that we finally get some back and forth in the action scenes. So much of this show has just been one side shoots. We see the other side, they explode. Yeah, that's true. And that's why so much of the action has been boring. Yeah, it's hard to comment on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so I'm I'm glad that at least in some of these conflicts, like a little bit here and then a little bit in, in episode 15, we actually get not even just with like the duel but like with other suits. Yeah. We actually see some back and forth that's Molly. I mean, this is one of the reasons I think we like the action so much in the um in the episode at the Magonox fighting was that there was actually like oh you know he shoots Cross the sand, the the, yeah. the MC hammer pants right and that guy falls apart and collides with the other one and I was like oh this is the mech action I've been looking for right yeah so uh a one of the Ares uh, goes down and the pilot's like damn it and then he gets out and fucking Tro's there and he, oh, guts, yeah. he guts checks him and I'm thinking thinking here like so Tro knew that the Ares was gonna go down there. Luck, that lucky break, I guess. <laughs> Hero's fashion's on point, though. He has a very nice, like, tight-fitting white shirt. Oh yeah, it's really. If, if, to I, if I was going to go on a on a guilt trip tour to apologize to the family members of someone I had murdered, I would look to Hero's wardrobe. Yes, I think that's correct. Also, uh, so you know, Leo's the land mobile, the land, land mobile suits. suits. Yes. Yeah, there's a yeah. there's a new one. Has the the commander has these distinguishing has shoulder cannons on his. So, have we seen those before? We have. I think we have. So, yeah. yeah, we've seen. The, so at least that particular model of Leo. Um, even the uh, uh, the the episode we watched previous to this, when uh, 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 Heavy Arms does his sick scissor kick to protect uh, yeah. what Catherine's being shot at, is mm. one of those weapons. Oh, right. So we've we've seen them before. But yeah, they are still fancy. They seem to denote the commander unit. Yeah. It seems to be something that we've seen before in that regard. So, uh, heroes driving away. In the process of driving away, uh, Sylvia is leaving the building. Screech! Uh, and uh, Hero does... I, I imagine you'll put it in because of how good it is, but... <gasps> Sylvia Noventa! Hero, in, 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 in trying to avoid hitting her, he, he shouts... Sylvia Noventa! <laughs> Sylvia Noventa! <laughs> which is an incredible... Which is excellent. It, it is very, very good. It is a, a... You could put it in the same folder next to Hero tearing up the invitation and Rel- something Relina's going to do in, in episode 16, which I think deserves to be in, in the same sort of <laughs> hallowed halls. I really... I might make that like a soundboard thing on my stream. <laughs> Kill that man! <laughs> you know, just... <laughs> Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll see about that. We'll get there. Oh my god, it's that so be, that should be the name of the episode. Yeah. Sylvia Noventa, like seven exclamation marks. It's so Screech. it's so good. Uh, so um, the 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 alliance soldiers who were protecting Sylvia Noventa, Screech. Um, the uh, they find themselves down a sewer tunnel trying to avoid the Ares sis. Um, and that just so happens to be where Troa parked his bench seating truck, which also has heavy arms on it, in addition to infinite bench seating. 
uh, the the Oz. No, I'm sorry. The Alliance pilots, or at least the leader, reasons out. Okay, if we stick around for long enough here, then the pilot of the Gundam will probably get up and destroy the Oz unit. He's taking quite the leap. He really does take the so like. I guess he has no other choice. I, I guess he read the script. Yeah. And he, <laughs> like, I think what confuses me, me though is that. I, I guess there must be enough people in the base to justify the self-sacrifice. Right. Because he knows the Gundam can win the fight. Right. He knows they're not going to win the fight. But I guess he cares. Because really, it's it's not so much about protecting the Gundam as it is reading the script and knowing right. that the Gundam will be enough to save the Marseille base. Well, I almost wonder if this was... Because um, Troa brings this up a couple times. He brings it up here and he, he'll bring it up in 15. Um, I wonder if this is the Jinx... I was right. just going to say, there's yeah, no yeah, Jinx he, well, about he, Gundams he, and Sumos. Well, he says that explicitly in 15, right? Yes, he does. The but. Jinx. But the thing that Tro does in this episode, and he's done it before, I think he does it the very first time we see him in action in like episode one or two, he announces what he's doing in the most neutral way possible. Yeah. <laughs> I think in this one, he's like, I'll get rid of you guys before the others catch on. But like, even more level and monotone than what I just yes, did. Yeah, you know? more bored than the way you did Right. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Troa does a flippy to get into the the heavy arms, uh, and the and shoulder cannon guy has a um, a classic character dying heroically shot where uh, they're they're sort of like on their way down and there's blood on their forehead a yeah. little bit and it's it's up to you now like this is this is I, I you know if I had the 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 time I would edit in like. 10 million things that have used this. And I, I imagine they are referencing some sort of shared, like some sort of uh, war movie, I would imagine. Or or like, this is also like a cop thing, mm-hmm. I think, when when a cop... Or or like, it reminds me of someone jumping on a grenade situation yeah. and give thumbs up before they j- jump on that. Or Terminator 2 sinking into the lava kind of thumbs up thing. Uh, okay, here's an important detail. So we cut to the graveyard. Yeah. Uh and uh Hero is is like, "Hey, Sylvia Noventa, uh I killed your your grandpa. Uh sorry. Pop pop. Yeah, my be <laughs> here's a pistol if you want to if if you want to shoot me. Uh, I think that would be fair. What's it, Okay, what's your read? Do you think he's actually expecting Sylvia Noventa to shoot him? Well, this is the thing. Does he have a death wish? D- this is the thing. This is not different from Wu Fei's bullshit philosophy that lets him off the hook. Yeah. Hero is letting himself off the hook. And in a way that the show is trying to convey is like selfless and like almost heroic. But it's, everything he does is completely and thoroughly well right, thought out. Exactly. Yeah. Right. He doesn't exactly. act on emotions. Um but but like what you said before has to be the right read. The thing that that really confuses me in the course of these episodes is that, I mean, again, this might be what we talked about at the very beginning in regards to the script and things like that. Is what what people buy into in terms of heroes' actions and what people reject? Right. I can't follow. No, I mean, yeah, no. Well, because yeah, Sylvia is correct that this is a shortcut. Yes, that lets hero off the hook. But the show disagrees, which is where it's confusing, right? It it feels like it feels like to me the show disagrees anyway because the because of one what Troa says and and two because there is a moment where the show emphasizes Hero's 
it's that thing that Zach said, where if you make a decision with a cool head, you'll mm-hmm. never regret it. Um, and that means that what hero, cause hero has a cool line where he walks away and he's like, I'm just too cool to care about. Cause she's like, how, how, what makes you above the, the horrors of war? And, and Hero's like, uh, that's more or less what he says. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't yeah. think he's sincere in the first place too, because he gives Sylvia the gun. All right, she chooses not to kill him, and then without wasting any moments, like, all right, I'm off I'm to out. Italy. I'm, yeah, he, so he has right. this all planned. He knows Sylvia's not going to kill her, or at least that's what the script suggests. I so I don't know about that. I I think that there's. I, I agree that he probably knows that Sylvia's not going to do it. Well, I th- well, wait, he knows what what he does know is that he can't die. Well, that's true. So he, he could get shot. He has an invincible. Boy he has body. an invincible true, boy body. True. Um, so that, that's a very good point. I, I, okay. I, I think the the script wants us to believe that he would. He is neutral on the subject of getting shot. That that if Sylvia did just, you know, three three sixty no scope, hero right in the face. That to hero that would be. That's what the show wants us to believe. That 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 hero would be okay with it. I. I I find this whole thing to be like, like a, a waste of time instead of characterization. Like this, this doesn't to me make Hero. It doesn't inform me of anything about Hero necessarily. Like it informs me that he has no self value, which I knew. Like this is this is the the easiest thing to take away from Hero's character is that he has no self value, and the show keeps trying to present this as a heroic cool thing. Like Troa thinks it's a heroic cool thing. By the way, by the way. By the way, they've been spending a lot of time together. Troa did not know Hero's name. That's an awkward I'm going to be honest. At this point, anytime anyone says they've learned Hero's name for the first time, which happens like a million times in the course of these episodes, yes. I, I just ignore it because I'm like, I don't feel like fact checking this. This is completely annoying. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to deal with it. it. Pretty much. It's just like, I, what do you mean you didn't? You've been together anyway. Uh, so they, they, uh, we cut to Zex. Uh, who put the Gundam in a reclining position on a mountain. And he's got Inspector Acht there with him. Who's Oh, real quick about Acht. He's totally uh, Ronald Lacey's character from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, yeah. It, like, point blank. Like, 100%. But, yeah. but somehow he got, like, the henchman from Yu-Gi-Oh! to be his, like, backup. <laughs> I also noticed that. Yeah. That it's attention duelist guy yeah, behind yeah. him. Yeah. And uh, he's also dressed as the Perot LeFou from Cowboy Bebop, oh, which yeah, is really weird. Yeah. Ox also German for eight, so the number naming oh, continues. Mm. Son of a bitch. I have a question for you that's un- completely unrelated. Yes. When you pluralize son of a bitch, do you say sons of bitches? Like attorneys general? Or, yeah, or, or son of bitches. Because apparently the second is something that some people have said somewhere. And that sounds insane No, it's sons of bitches. You say sons of bitches, right? right? right. Yeah, okay. Moving on. <laughs> the second I mean, sounds like a spell or something. I, yeah. I think the only context in which, which I would accept son of bitches is a science fiction context in which reproducing, uh, you know, is advanced beyond the technology oh, sure, that we have sure. today. Oh, I see what you're saying. I would saying. be willing okay. to accept that, but only in that very specific context. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. No, that's so fair. if you're if you're um, what's her name? Uh, 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 Lois McMaster Buhold. Oh, sure. She's allowed to do it. Yeah, I could see that. That's about it. Um. Uh. So Zex uh, blows up. Uh, a how quickly could they have mocked up a fake a paper mache Gundam yeah like how because it seems like the next thing that they did this is a stupid fact checking point I think it comes up in the next episode I'm just going to bring it up right now if it's so easy to get two mobile suits worth of Gundanium why aren't they just making more Gundams this was something that 
I was I, I like because not only that, but it seems like it's just armor plating. Right, right. Just, just in case a Leo that would land mobile. You, you got a tall geese. The tall geese is great. You have all the blueprints. It's just a fun dude. Just dip it in the gun. Da- right? Melt down the gun. Damn, dip it right in. Yeah, like why seed having the ultimate god machines to like? Oh well, no one like you know. It's like the, the aristocrats would never do this otherwise, right? Because aristocrats always seize the power for themselves, right? It's not like aristocrats would be like, well, actually, what we need is complete nuclear disarmament. That's not what they would do. So, okay. And I have to... I, I know it's a dumb fact, Jake. Boy, I apologize. No, no. <laughs> I, I'm glad you brought it up, though. We're pushing against the text. Because it's it's important to acknowledge that the, the, the script of the show has gone out of its way to just sort of hand wave something logical. Yeah. Right? Like, it's... That's... It's worth pointing out, like... Probably the answer is just that it's fucking hard to get in space. I don't fucking know. Right. Where are they harvesting from that, anyway? I mean, my understanding, I believe at some point they did mention that the the Gundanium alloy has to be refined in space. And right. so that's why the colonies had it available in a way that the Earth did not. That was my understanding. And, and so hence my confusion when they're like, oh, Zex just got like two truckfuls of this. Like, real, like they just brought it down, you know? Well, it just made me. My main question really was like, did they. They must have suspected that some people would have an issue with rebuilding the Wing Gundam like this and were already ready with like spare, good enough looking wing parts to blow up. Yeah. But they also note that um, uh, Zex's new best friend with the square jaw, who will later learn his name, Miser. Um, what a good boy. Yeah, no, seriously, he's such a good friend. Uh, uh, he says rich people suck uh, and that they've used up all of the extra lives for tall geese. Uh, that those those parts that they blew up to make it look like they blew up the wing Gundam. The thing that sucks about this is knowing two episodes from now that they won't even use the wing Gundam. I mean, Troa does, kind of, but also, anyway, anyway... <laughs> So that brings us to the end of right, episode fourteen, right? right. Uh, and we're we're uh, uh, we're going to move right into episode fifteen. Yeah, before- suddenly we got everything. This guy does is completely thorough and well thought out. We need to get to the one place that copyright infringement can't find us, which is the battleground Antarctica. Right, that's right. I very rudely cut you off. While yeah, you no. Well, you know, in in that time since we last spoke, Hero has now visited every person on his <laughs> list. Okay, and- I have a question about that list. <laughs> he knows, he, he goes, all right, so either you can read it of he got to Sicily, went to a bunch of old estates, crossed out each, uh, he had a notebook full of possible estates, and then he crossed out each one, or oh, he I, visited a bunch of other yeah, people. Yeah, no, no, that's what I thought, right? But no, because he says the next place he's going is her place, and then, well, I mean, unless it wasn't truthful there. I mean, maybe you just heard it through the grapevine. I, mmm, mmm, mmm. Mm. I mm, mm. I assumed and hoped that these weren't all Noventa people because there were other folks on that. There was what, another... what number is Noventa again? Is that like uh, nine? I believe is it nine or nineteen? Maybe nineteen? Because are there uh, nineteen names on the list? <laughs> ninety. Ninety. 90. <laughs> okay. Oh, yikes! Spanish right. for ninety. Okay. Um. So I assumed because there was another gentleman, another second piece man who was introduced that episode. Vente. Vente. And uh, maybe there was some Vente relation. Okay. Could be. Yeah, yeah. 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 I would have much rather. I know I start every episode. I would have watched, much rather watched this episode of Gundam Wing. But I would have much rather watched the episode where it's just Troa and Hero 
leisurely traveling through the Mediterranean, stopping, having nice, quiet moments together. The gang apologizes for murder. Exactly. <laughs> Sipping some Java so, well, and enjoying themselves. Well, the, yeah. We will get to some Java later. But some, a real chance, like I talked about in a few episodes no, but before, I agree. meaningful, quiet development. No, it, it's character moments between our boys. Like, it's shocking how far into the show we are and how little we've gotten it. At the beginning of this episode, we now see that Troa doesn't really approve of what Hero has done, even though, like, it feels like five seconds ago, it was everything this guy does is completely and thoroughly well thought out. And it gives me whiplash because we don't have those character moments to see where where Troa kind of, like, changes his opinion. I... I don't know. Or did you not read it that way? Because that's kind of how I read it. Was that like, oh, we reached the end of the road and actually your plan sucked. Well, I, I, so I, I guess I just didn't, uh, I don't necessarily disagree with you that, mm. that, cause he's definitely getting crankier as we go yeah. through the series of episodes. Um, but I still read it as like Troa, who, who is at this point, like lost without a, a wind for his sails. Um, is still like really eager to be helpful to Hero, and the show does not feel obligated to tell us why. And like, even though we we have two separate reads on that, we were both arriving at the same center, which is like the show is not telling us why the characters are making decisions about other characters' actions. It's the same yeah, complaint, yeah. even if we arrived at it in different ways. Um, so at this point, they notice that they're being followed by some. I think it's the Yu-Gi-Oh, right? Uh, 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 guy. I don't know if it's those men in particular, but they're coded as BMWs. Yeah, what? Well, I, I think that's interesting because they use a dove hood ornament, yeah. which I thought was kind of a dope thing because I think they are alluding to your your BMW slash Mercedes slash whatever. And I like like the dove is really on the head. Uh, it hits it the nail on the head because the it's an image that is of peace, but you know, car manufacturers, many of whom originated in war. Uh, so I kind of like it as like a general broad stroke thing to allude to. So, yeah. so something that's worth noting in in Japan in particular, doves actually mean war oh. and not peace and, and not. But oh, there's but, zero difference between good and bad. Yeah, th- so I forgot. you're not wrong, though, because <laughs> I'm not sure. Because with Gundam Wing, it's a huge problem that, that it's so hard to know when the semiotics are intentional, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Because, um, okay, so the reason why in Japan in particular, doves were used as messenger birds, in particular during times of war, particular that image of a daimyo using a dove to send. A dove is specifically you would send during times of war. Okay, so it's, so, not, like, it's not like give him the bird. Right. <laughs> the double bird. So... Uh, <laughs> I, so I wouldn't. I didn't point that out to be like, no, you big dummy. Yeah. Because it's just, again, it's the sort of the same situation of arriving at the same right, right. Like, using those that image, either one of like, here comes war, or isn't it ironic? Yeah. That, it's like, oh, we love peace, but right. actually we're war. Right. Exactly. Right. Because that is what Dermale's speech was. It's like, in order to really get peace. We need to drop the giant rich right. people dong on everyone. We, we need to, you know, put the the boot on the face of humanity forever. Right. Yes. Real I'll, quick, if I can add, before we get too far away, I really do like the change in location. So earlier on, I compared the best parts of Gundam Wing are the espionage parts, at least yeah. I found. Uh-huh. And I kind of dig that this, you know, this Bond jet setting as we jump from location to location. Again, I kind of wish we stayed here a little longer. That's just me. But yeah. I, I do derive a lot of touristic pleasure in just the change of location. I agree. It definitely, um, the, you know, we've talked about the just sort of James Bond feeling before, but this reminded me of I, 
I want to say it's Man with the Golden Gun. Is Man with the Golden Gun the one where there is a glass shop fight at some point? Uh, I, I so, folks, a little background on uh, James Bond knowledge among the the crew here. Uh, I, I have the least amount. Yeah. So Stephen here is well, not too in on this. Uh, I have watched. I've probably watched more movies than Ignis, but he's deep in the Bond lore. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I've watched every Bond film because for some reason, as a child, my mother put me in a lab where they just had me watch Bond films yeah, over and over again. Seems right. So I have a weird a encyclopedic crime. knowledge of a lot of Bond films. Whereas uh, Ignis, yeah. So um, I have seen almost none, but. Uh, I am. Uh, <laughs> it's not true even anymore. At this point, I've actually seen a pretty fair amount. Um, but but uh, most of them I have not seen. But I am a big big fan of the Earwolf Network's uh, James Bonding podcast hosted by Matt Myra and Matt Gorley. Uh, Moonraker is what I think you're thinking. When of. you say glass, oh yeah, what? fight in Venice. Do you glass mean? Museum? Do you mean the- I'm thinking of Moonraker. I am. Yeah. Yes, okay. I'm okay. Of all right. All right. I apologize to everybody. Yeah. But yes, Venice glass. I was thinking specifically of travel logs. I was okay. thinking of. Uh, I believe it's Her Majesty's Secret Service, where he spends a pretty decent amount of time traveling with Tracy. Yes. Um. It immediately put me into that sort of globe-trotting mood. I, I completely agree with that comparison. Or even uh, something like uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, because we have Effin, uh what's his name? Arn- I have it written down. That's what I'm looking at my notes. Arnold Tott from Raiders of the Lost Ark chasing them. And then we we were we just about to have a very James Bond... Yeah, uh, we have maybe the best bit of espionage so yes, far. Yes. yes. So um, Troa pulls an Akira bike out of his pocket. Uh, yeah, well, he gets a good PCJ spawn. I, I relate to that. That's <laughs> relatable content for me. <laughs> I was going to ask you if that's... Yeah. Did he look at the ground and look at the sky Yeah, and there was a bike <laughs> he, did, he did the Grand Theft Auto thing where you flick the camera until you get the vehicle you want, <laughs> and then there was a motorcycle there and he got it. It was easy. It was that's easy. good cross-branding there. Yeah. Um, so uh, he was he's able to uh, basically drive off or or distract the people following them by, by making a big scene of getting away while Hero jumped into the apple cart, uh, or apple truck, rather. Uh, I have the note here, Hero Apple Seed. This is what I put down there. Uh, let's see. But the one thing I, I want to emphasize about the espionage scene is that what makes it particularly favorable is not that it's just fun like any of the other espionage scenes we've seen before. It's also actually personalized to Troa, who lands on the tr- on the wire. Oh, the consummate then, acrobat. Right. And then, you know, walks away in a very casual manner, that, as as Bond would do after, you know, kind of getting away. That's a fantastic Troa moment. Right. When he's walking, he puts his hands in his pockets, I think, and right. just we, 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 walks like, off. Just that, like, five seconds of Troa does so much more for him than like a lot of the other scenes we've yeah. had with him it was fun it's a yeah. fun cool bit it, it's the sort of thing that that you really wish they could just like grab yeah. that and use it for the rest have of the show. fun and you know personalize it to each of these very flavorful yeah. uh, uh boys that you have presented us right um i completely agree i have a question yes in gundam wing world are the apples really big or are their hands very small because if you look at those apples, I don't know about you boys. I've held an apple. I've held many apples. Apples are good, by the way. Apples are good. Um, no argument here. I I could definitely get my fucking hands around an apple, like, and so, they cannot. <laughs> yeah, I think the answer here is that the animators may not have known what size apples are. Sure, there are apple varieties sure, of that course, are of bigger. Course. Like my favorite apple right now is the good old Honeycrisp. Sure. Which is a much larger apple. Honeycrisp is one of the correct answers. Yeah. 
So the answer, but like Honeycrisp isn't really just solid red. Not that I'm like asking I, Gundam Wing to sure. perfectly articulate right. which variety of apple you're using in your episode. On the list of things I'm asking Gundam Wing for, <laughs> that is on the bottom of the list. You know, it's, I mean, look, at least you didn't say Red Delicious, in which case I would have had to right. well, I mean, leave the premise. Red Delicious side. has, I mean, I think pretty sure millennials have killed Red Delicious apples. Yes, they it's are, correct. They're out of fashion, it's, I think. It's one of the many things we've successfully yeah. destroyed. Well, the whole, I mean, the, the whole reason Red Delicious apples got where they were anyway was because they were very good at being stored and yes. staying commercially saleable yes. for a longer period of time. It's, it's the whole ugly produce thing. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, what, what, you you know, let's just thank know, goodness just, for this content that you come yeah, to machinations for about whatever. apples. Maybe Sicily just grows giant apples. No, nope, right. fucking, that's what I'm saying. What, what if they're actually grapes? You know, <laughs> <laughs> and we, we talked about punked. <laughs> we talked about how overworked the Gundam Wing staff is. I'm yeah. sure it's like 4 a.m. in some oh, Tokyo, like, downtown Tokyo. Like, just make the apple it's, fucking it's a huge, fucking G- apple. Jim. Just, make it huge. So, <laughs> hey, Jim, uh, yeah, engineer, chief engineer, Jim. Uh, so, um, the camera. I want to say the camera just straight up like just pans like to the right a couple couple of inches and Noin's just there. Yeah. And Noin appears. Oh, well, the best shot, though, is is when like the camera is like, no, we need to know where this apple is going. <laughs> and the apple drops to the floor and rolls and like, fuck, follow the apple, follow well, the apple. Well, I think because I wish she had a cool line with it, like Troa, apple a day. Yeah. <laughs> Keeps the doctor away. Or, or just cut out the second part. Apple a day, dot, dot, dot. And well, like look down to the ground. So um, Troa has, does a very cool maneuver where he he's had an apple and then suddenly pistol, um, and uh, Noin makes her her offer or something. She's like, "Hey, uh, Zex really wants to finish the fight from a couple episodes ago." Troa's Troa's like, "This is stupid," this and Hero's like, "No, this is fine. This is good. <laughs> this this, this seem- is like a Bond film too. Like, come to my employer's island and yeah. fight." No, really, it is. Yeah, and and uh, it. Knowing challenges them to a Klingon duel of honor. Uh, Troa wonders if they're going to be pumped for info. <laughs> I knew someone else was going to pick up on it, so I didn't even bother putting in my notes. Pumped for info, huh? <laughs> it's that awkward word choice that yeah, Gundam is so pumped. famous for. What do you, what? Pumped. I'm a big uh, fan of that. Yeah, I'm here to pump you up <laughs> yeah, for, for info. For info. <laughs> I'm a big fan of that hometown slang. Like, pumped. I'm a, yeah, I'm a fan. Uh, so, I'm such a fan. Though, again, with this scene, too, because Troy is reluctant, but he ultimately exceeds to Hero's wishes. That younger, bro- older, younger brother dynamic. Well, Troa is protective of Hero, but it, he's not protective enough to supersede his, his like... He, he seems to think, like, Hero seems to know what he's doing, so I'm just going to defer to him in all cases, even when it seems buck wild. <laughs> uh, so uh, we cut here to Relina and her butler, Pagan. Uh, we, I think we all have something to say about this scene. Uh, so I'm going to paint the picture a little bit. Where... I'm, I'm going to let you guys take the lead on this one because I, I think I I legit lost my mind at the subsequent trays scene. Yes. So yeah. I'm going to let y'all take the lead on this one. Oh, man. It goes straight from that to the... Oh, my God. Okay. So um, we cut to Relina and Pagan, which we learn eventually is the name of the butler. Uh, and uh, they're doing some... They're just sitting down and they're they're cracking open some discs of Encyclopedia Britannica and they're looking some shit up. Um, although it can't be Encyclopedia Britannica, it's gotta be like I actually don't know. I don't know if Pagan's got some. He's got some, like his, his Usenet group or something, right? I love how it's it's the presumably ninety five year old butler who's doing the internet sleuthing. Right. Well, imagine if you're watching Deep Cut, the Mystery Files of Shelby Wu right. or something. Right. And, 
I don't know. I cannot remember anything about the show. Straight to the Johnny Quest cyberspace, right? If Shelby had an old like uncle or grandfather, like you do the internet work, I'm just going to sit here. Well, so he's typing with one finger. Well, because it's using what I would call like 1990s um, internet writing logic. In that um, we just need to see someone on a computer, and they are able to obtain information that that is. We know as an audience is true, but like at that time, you didn't need to logically justify where they'd be able to find that information. So, like, what Pagan is able to determine is that uh, not only did you know Zex battle the Unit One Gundam, um, but that Zex is also secretly rebuilding the Unit 1 Gundam, and in addition to secretly rebuilding it, it seems like he probably didn't destroy it like he was He's supposed to. He's getting a lot of information from that. That's what, I'm, cause that's what I'm saying. The dark web. It's like, so not, it can't be like like a military file, because it has details like that in it that wouldn't be in a military file. It sounds like gossip. But so, like, is he on an AOL instant messenger chat room, and and he's just getting the download from someone at Victoria Nightmare Base? It's like the like Trinity just like dialed him up right on the on the the internet, just hacked into his computer. Uh, so, uh, so I, I had a note here: is is how is Relina's Butler finding this? Is it, uh, <laughs> is he a hacker or is Zex bad at subterfuge? I mean. Porque no less dose. Well, I, I think maybe what happens next answers your question, is which we discover that the, the butler has no bounds. Well, right. The so, butler is completely unbound. So, because there is a line immediately after that, and, and I wrote down, oh no, so Zex is just bad at this. Like, he did not cover his tracks yeah. well enough. If I were Relina right now, I think it's time to get a new butler. Well, so. But no I, other butler would do what Pagan does. So, I. Oh, okay. So we're about to okay. So. Can you just tell? Oh, us? so you were fencing with the Zex before? Uh, well, well, how old was how old was Zex yeah. though? So this was thirteen years ago, <laughs> which would put Zex at six years old. So me, a grown ass man, of course, <laughs> challenged this six year old to a fencing match. Can you imagine? Look, okay, I I, I have some relatives with young children. That you some fence of, them frequently. Some, well, the idea of like a. Uh, he describes Zex as a hero to the Peacecrafts. And, like, now, with hindsight, having seen episode 16, I know that he's lying to cover for Zex. I don't know why. But at the time, I didn't. So I went on. I, I had to figure this out because I was like, okay, is the show just bad at storytelling? Which yes. is. <laughs> <laughs> is the show just bad at storytelling or am i to infer that the butler is in on this and the answer is of course the butler's in on it but yeah, i the did butler not know did it. yeah at the time so i went on a journey and i decided to look up oh so when did the saint kingdom fall not actually that easy to find <laughs> yeah i bet not actually that easy to find when the saint kingdom fell which was according to the best that i could find 180 after colony um although it's very confusing because when you look it up it, it says destroyed after colony 195 and that can't be it that can't be true <laughs> it can't be unless they mean when Otto ran into it with the heart attack machine <laughs> um that's a great headline so i mean long story short i went on this long 
you know, trying to just figure out the math of it. Okay, Zex was born 176 after Colony, and so four years later, 180 is when Relina is born, and two years after that, 182 must have been where he had this fencing match. <laughs> this is a real uh, Russell Crowe beautiful mind. Well, there. so I'm trying to, I'm just like, I don't understand this timeline because, as we discussed previously, I, I had to do some research, and four years after that, so when he's 10 years old, he is a member of Oz's forces because he goes on a mission for Oz at 10 years old in a prequel thing. We're deep in the anime here. Oh my right, God. exactly. Gundam Wing, your anime showing. So, so he fenced the six-year-old, and this, during this fencing match, the six-year-old uh, ruins Pagan's yeah. foil, completely right, destroys right. it. Foiled again. <laughs> That's so cool. I was gonna, I was gonna push the button, the pun button. I never get to do that. I've <laughs> never been in a a fencing match. Do you want to know a little known fact about PMC trilogy? Uh, sure. I was in, Did you fence a six year old? I was in fencing club for a yeah. semester in college. See, this is excellent news. So maybe you can help me here. <laughs> yeah, this is not my realm yeah. of expertise. I I don't imagine it is that easy to break a foil. No. I, they bend. Y- yes, that's what I was going to say. Was that probably they bend? This is the second time it's happened in this series. Yeah, that, not only that, I know for a fact it's going to happen at least one more time, which is crazy. Like this is an image that really sticks out for the the animators, and for some reason, and and I imagine it is more interest in like like images of aristocracy, right? Like it's it's just like oh, we're we're concerned with war and like the pageantry of war and fencing is like the most can you recall off the top of your head whether or not any foils break in the fencing scene and die another day i was just about to mention that oh film. since we're talking about it i i'm i'm almost certain have you seen that film uh, oh yes that's one of the ones I've oh seen. you have seen that's that one, one of the ones that's I've like seen. one of the worst ones i'm sorry oh, yeah. <laughs> well so it, it, this is one of those situations where um for me my interest in james bond films um uh if it is regarded as bad I am more likely to enjoy that. Uh, anytime a James Bond film, you're meant to take it on its own terms. I have a harder time enjoying yeah. it. There's not too many of those, though. Well, so, I mean, like, anything starring Sean Connery, you're meant to take on its own terms. Anything starring Daniel Craig, you're meant to take on its own terms. Although Daniel Craig is better at... Yeah, I mean, I would maybe asterisk Diamonds Are Forever. As... Well, except for Diamonds Are Forever. <laughs> right, which is a completely give-no-fucks movie. Yeah, I mean, Sean Connery didn't give a fuck, and the movie doesn't doesn't give a fuck but that conversely my interest in it goes up yeah. 10 million fold yeah, because yeah. of how insane it is right so here we have um i also wanted to mention in the scene where we see a young a young zex marquis dueling pagan uh baby zex looks exactly like char uh yeah. <laughs> in, a, in a way that's like okay just say the quiet part loud i guess he just it's he like there's just mostly the hair you know you know what i mean like he even looks like Zeta Shar, like he mm, looks like yeah, the, yeah, the, the yeah, way yeah. that the right. hair is poofed out like that. Um, uh, Noin, he he calls Noin, uh, and he's like, "I told you, I told you, he's alive." Noin, and Noin goes, "Yeah, sure, <laughs> okay." 
Oh, oh real quick, there, uh, a yeah. periodical flashes up when they're doing their sleuthing. Yeah. It's called the Daily Kingdom. So I guess these fucks have their own newspaper. Right. I'm sure they have yeah. several. But it also says, last time Ignis says, what is time? So it says AC195. Of course, we okay. know that. But yeah, then it says cool. 07114, which indicates probably that it's July, mm-hmm. in the middle of July. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cool. I, I did not. I'm glad you got uh, yeah, that. Yeah, I, I missed that. Usually I zoom in on that text, but I think I missed that one. Um, so we cut now to Trace. Trey's is walking along the river. He's thinking some uh, some important thoughts, and mostly, if I remember right, the thing that he's out loud talking about. Like, so let's well, we'll get to the visual storytelling in a second. The thing he's out loud talking about is the that he's talking about the situation where Zex is concealing the rebuilding of Zero One, and would Zex really be doing that? And would uh, you know? Maybe you know people shouldn't be so worried about that. Zach's obviously would, but like the way he says it, it almost sounds like to me like it. it if I wanted to believe in my heart of hearts that Gundam Wing was smarter than it is, mm-hmm. I would say that this is like a meta thing where Trey's is trying to fourth wall punk out the audience because because obvi- Trey's wouldn't be stupid enough. To think, but that's that's a read that requires some some labor of love. Yeah, you're giving too much credit. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Does Trey's always talk with the royal we, or is that something new? Because he says, "Should we allow Colonel Zex?" Uh, so I think it's new. I think it's new in with the 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 knowledge that we now know that that uh, Trey's is more or less the spear point of Romerfeller. Yeah. Um. So you're speaking for the organization itself. I believe so. I, at this time, I believe that is the, the the what we should take away from that. Um. So. Yeah, while this is going on, there is a scene like we see them like from far away at first. So before we, yeah, we, okay, we set okay. that table, the one yes. thing I wanted to say is that he is contemplating the friction of his his relationship with Zex and the his overall responsibilities to the Romerfeller. Right, anyway. right. No, I think that's that's the that's the good the good summary point there, and so. At the very beginning of this sequence, we we see uh, I think it's like two adults and a child and standing a on the dock. Yeah, oh, it's a maid. Well, it? the, yeah, the maid disappears, but the, she's the maid disappears. So it's she's two, coded as wealthy. Yes, and so uh, and then like we go back to trades. We're like, okay, whatever. They were just setting you know a peaceful. Sure, scene. it looks like a park. Yeah, or something. Yeah. park or you know riverside. And then as we get closer, we we notice that uh, the child becomes preoccupied with a butterfly. And as the mother is distracted, begins following the butterfly down this pier. And, of course, it's like a two-year-old child. So it's the sort of child that you really don't want to be falling into no. to water or anything like that. And w- just at the moment that the – as as Trey's is sort of saying, like, well, you know, Zex wouldn't cause me any trouble. I don't – you know, we really shouldn't worry about this. He wordlessly, like, prevents the mother from – going to rescue the child from the imminent danger of following this butterfly off the pier. Right. And then, you know, at the last moment, as it seems like the child's about to fall off, the child is, just turns back to the mother and giggles because the child doesn't understand what's going on. It's a two-year-old child. And the mother is, like, weeping openly. Yes. And is like, oh, thank God, like, that this rich man just showed up. And so I th- I'm going to, you know, I, I feel like, uh, you know, I, I'm a very literal boy. And I feel like this... the. the base level read here is just that the show is trying to tell us that the butterfly is the wing gundam and the child is 
Zex? I, I, I did some. I, all right. So I did some mental gymnastics. Yeah. With this. All right. Can I go real quick? Please, please. All right. Please, so please. I, I want to put on my. Uh, the the only thing I want to say before you start <laughs> is that I, I I don't think PMC is wrong. Oh anyway, no, I don't either. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, exactly. No, no, no. Yeah, go ahead. I'm all sorry. All right, so I put on my, uh, not to say we're not all academics here, but I put on my academic mm-hmm. hat. I actually wrote this out, so excuse me if I'm going to read this for please, a second. Please, I don't want to botch this. All right. So, above all else, Trey's prizes an unspoiled nature, even though he doesn't always act on it, if you recall the conversation he had with Un, without societal restraints. Uh, a social Darwinist of sorts. He, he wants a world where human beings are subject to the same laws that govern natural selection. He sees in this boy a natural grace, a primordial beauty that can only be tainted by the intervention of the, his mother. For him, the idea of survival of the fittest supersedes all. So he essentially wants the child himself to work through this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, that, that's a read that... It sounded know. stupid when I was reading it. Yeah, I well, I mean, but the thing is, though, you're, you're applying Trey's principles to the situation instead of just drawing parallels. I mean, I have a brain that always likes to just map things. It's mm-hmm. sort of mapping things as a professional thing of what I do. So that's my, like, immediate go-to is that this is, like... Trace is doing the same thing in his management that he's doing in the thing that we're seeing him doing. That's but true. you're just you expressed it in terms of, of values rather than literal mapping of one to one elements. So I I think though I think though both both of you are correct though. I yeah. I, I do think the show I, I think everything that, that Steven pointed out in, in your analysis is, is apt. I think that um we are seeing a visual demonstration of because the show loves to do it, uh, the show loves to tell us about Trey's worldview. I think that the other thing we are meant to take away, because I think you are correct that Zex is meant to be the baby. That 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 Trey's is uh, is seeing here an an externalization of because he's a narcissist. Okay, so the to him he's having this issue of like oh. Uh, people, other people who I work for are concerned about someone who works under me, who I trust implicitly. I don't have a problem with this, and the fact that they do is weird to me. So, but but here we see this thing that's happening right in front of me. I'm going to intervene because uh, my worldview is such that I feel like I understand what's really going to happen here, and that to him reinforces his feelings about Zex, right? Yeah. The the reason the way that it works out, which is by the way, insane. Insane. The, it, it is a a the mother's reaction in particular. The, okay, I, I'm gonna get this out so I can get in on that because the mother's reaction to me is the most buck wild situation of all of it. Um, I I think you're correct, Stephen, in that it is a a visualization of his philosophy clean as heavy-handed and stupid as gun and wing could get i did not think I, this this scene was idiotic but i don't think it was necessarily stupid until the mother's reaction and the mother's reaction the, is extremely stupid the mother's reaction is dog shit but but the thing that makes it stupid is that 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 narcissism thing that i i was talking about where he sees this completely unrelated scenario as reinforcing himself as oh, yeah. correct like he 100 percent right. sees this as the universe telling him you you are correct. Everyone's worrying too much, but we the audience know he is wrong and stupid. <laughs> right. Like, I mean it's it's the it's the thing of uh you're you're a, a dipshit young man and then you you read Atlas Shrugged and you think it confirms your dipshit worldview. Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> and and you know, now, now you know, like because 
because it is insane to to depend on a a child to understand its like its survival instincts to make d- decisions like that at, at that age it's insane like and the child doesn't learn anything from so it, it it like if challenged on his nonsense by someone who for like you know the show felt empowered to to do that like it, he wouldn't be able to defend it because there's no a child doesn't learn anything from not right. drowning. <laughs> like, I mean, I think I think I'm glad to to have this discussion with you guys because again, because I have this sort of brain that compulsively one to one maps things. I then proceeded to spend a few minutes thinking about comparing the child's infatuation with the butterfly to Zex's infatuation with the zero one, which is maybe not a productive exercise, but still funny to me. Well, I don't think you're wrong though. Yeah. I, I do think that that in in a way that uh, Zex also doesn't quite understand. Does he not? learn from i mean you know i i I think you're right though i think that 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 zex's infatuation there is is one of like i i really need a reason now to keep doing what i'm doing and the closest i've gotten to that is the duel with the gundam pilot that was like the most pure but it immediately was undone by lady un injecting reality of the situation you know like if this isn't a uh, fighting game, you know, where the two of us just get to have our one-on-one, mano-a-mano direct c- comparison of skill sets, you know. Um, it, I mean, this was a, a a scene that set my spirit into yeah, the cosmos, no, I, for sure. Um, I, 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 honestly, the two of you helps it make sense to me because I, I, I couldn't take anything. I was, my note here is, what show, what are you trying to say? <laughs> the issue is, too, if you explore this further, does the show by episode 15, 16 completely condemn Trey's? I feel like the show too often displaces criticism of Trey's and puts it on Un, for example. Mm-hmm. Or now that we have the Roma Feller organization, the I think the show encourages us to put more blame on the Roma Feller organization compared to well, Trey's. So I think the criticism tends to be indirect. I and mean, I know earlier I was making, I was sort of hypothesizing a read that is too charitable to the show. I think maybe the read that is more intended is that you, you look at Trey's as the spear point of the Roma Feller. You look at underlings like Un and Alex and Mueller. And you. I think this show must intend all of these adjacent things as pointing to the sort of fecklessness of someone like Trace. Yes. I think that has to be the read on Trace. So, but the problem is, right. And, and this is maybe more of a, a, a meta thing that the creators think Trace is cool. Yeah. They right. too often romanticize. Them. Right. And so that's like, you know, that's sort of, that's, that's almost like, it's almost like Gundam is having a Gundam problem. Right. That it's like, wow, cool character. Yeah. And then it's actually like war is bad, you know? Well, early in the show, too, if you have the Emperor-Vader relationship, you had, you know, Zex being Vader, the right. you know the obedient follower, and then we had the Emperor being Trey's. But now, in a way, we have Trey's is the Vader figure as well. He is, what's the word they use? You know, the knight. Uh, the shining knight. The yeah. shining knight. Mm-hmm. The lackey, in other words. And, you know, the, now we have the Romafell organization taking the brunt of the blame, which I, I don't think is fair. I think it's it's interesting, though, because I think you're right that there is a sort of um, of changing of hats that are hap- that's happening. As, as like, you know, the, the, the we've described previously the show as, as laying the tracks of a train that is, that is right on their heels, right? And it, it, be- it became clear... To me, 
at a certain point that sex is the character that the show writers understand the most. Like they understand what his motivation it was and where he's going. Um, the boys have nothing. There's no trajectory for the boys at all. It seems like we're going to get to some. If you saw the preview after 16. Yeah. It seems yeah. like we're going to get to some. Uh, but it, it's it's so hard to... Because I, I, you're right. Uh, in TV tropes, this the, the sort of Darth Vader character you're referring to is referred to as the dragon. Oh. Who is the like... Not the the end boss, but the the main force of will that works for the main boss, yeah. right? Yeah, the haunted suit of armor from Jade Empire, sure. etc. Yes, know? exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, uh, but um, it, it seems like the show is is has decided not that a empty philosophical point of view of of war that ignores the the consequences is the the bad guy to be fought. It's rich people. Right. That's that's what it seems to be. We're, what we're doing is we're moving the target away from Trey's and his sort of. I don't know. He's just not really a villain. Is the problem the issue too? Is though you're putting Relina, which you should put Relina on a pedestal, but also she is an aristocrat. She is so that's a right. We, the right. message too. We, we don't ever answer the the whole. I almost said pink lemonade. The pink limousine and <laughs> uh, and the, the private jets. And, right. You know, all you should have things... went with pink lemonade. I would be like, all right. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. yeah, there are pink lemonade problems. This is, this is an academic term I've yeah. yet yeah, to be exposed to. It is kind of the pink lemonade problem, though, because <laughs> because it, it, there is, even in episode 15, um, we have the scene. The yeah, we have the scene where Relina's having dinner alone, and it's rich people dinner. It's it's she's in a massive room with a huge table all by herself. When you, I'm sorry, I have to Ignis. When you open other people's mail, do you do you like turn around and turn back before opening it? I, I have to get back to that. We need to because okay, okay, okay. that moment is beautiful and perfect. <laughs> it is. Um, so. So she's sitting alone. Okay, did I skip? Okay. Blah, 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 I mean, blah. we like Oct is going after the carrier. Yeah, then, uh, Oct is going. Uh, oh, um, the one lackey speaks to Noin. Yeah. And he's like, hey, let's kill them. Let's <laughs> <just> <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we were all the same thing. The read could have been so fun, though. Because <laughs> he literally like, uh, hey, we could fucking kill them. And then, Speak, we always compare like what could the show could be if it were Venture Brothers. This would be like that Venture right, Brothers it, moment. It would be like twenty one and twenty four. Like, oh, hey, why don't we just shoot them? Why don't we kill them? You know, um, uh, I don't. I don't know if those are the numbers. I think it's yeah, twenty one. I, I, I fucked that up. I all think the time. you're right. I mean, if I were um, gonna have, if I were gonna give Gundawing some credit and have a serious character note here in this episode, and the next one, I like how much attention they devote to the relationship between the suits and the characters yes mm. i think that's a good you know it's a typical mech show detail yeah. we could use a little more we of could it, use more of it though I, I really like it how you know they really sort of uh like you know i mean we're talking about it now so i might as well just get out of the way the way in the next episode that troa modifies his suit to benefit hero yes those kinds of details are just or the nice. fact that he gets physically strained when using it. It's a yeah. nice individualistic touch. Right. To the it's heavens. not used to it. Well, yeah. I think this scene, and and, and we, when we get there, you guys, I, I hope someone can tell me because I was confused about this. This scene, I think, is setting up something that happens later to Troa after he is able to successfully fend off Oct's uh, uh, chase crew. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, um, in that uh, we established that that uh, you know logically a heavy arms uh, uh, l- laser gatling arm is heavier 
than the the other arm, and we learn that Troa on purpose does not. He leaves that heavier in order to. I don't know what he says is nonsense, but I he he does he leaves it unbalanced. Yeah, 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 is what we learn, and and here it's just kind of like. Okay. Sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. It's um what's his name from yeah, yeah. Rio from Shenmue. Yeah, sure. Sure. <laughs> um uh and you know knowing you know it's like oh so they're just they're just pilots like us, you yeah. know. They're 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 We're just, not so different you and I. And that's when 21 and 24 are like hey, we could kill them and knowing <laughs> Nine is like no, no. I have, Shush. I have to indulge Zach. Yes, it's fine. Stop it's it. Fine. I do like. Okay, I do like the line, and and it was either in this episode or the previous one where Noin tells Zach, like, "Hey, listen, I, I'm a mobile suit pilot too. I get it, you know." And and that and I believe her. I think she does get it. Yeah. I think she gets the like weird fighter spirit thing that's going on. Like, that's why this whole whole thing feels stupid by the time we get to 16, is because it's from a different kind of show. It, yeah, it's, it's a tournament yeah, scene. Yeah, exactly. It's it's not a, a show from, like, a, a like 15, 14 and 15 act like real mecha shows. They're yeah. pretending to be real mecha shows. And then we get to 16, and it's straight super robot, yeah. but with real mecha trappings. So, yeah, uh, uh, Troa is kind of shitty to Noin. I was unclear about why Troa was so fucking like like cranky in these two episodes, but it, oh, so Oz does have one able officer. He's, uh, he's turning into Wu Fei, by the way. Well, in these episodes, he's like getting shades. I was glad to be done with Wu Fei for these three episodes, but then he says some stuff. It's like, mm, is we really gone? Well, so like I, the problem is, it's it's like, and I guess this is what we're learning. It's less the individual characters and more the show does not feel obligated to explain the characters' reasoning ever. Like we were supposed to when Troa just says like. Oh, there's, I'm going to correct the mistakes that are a result of your weakness. I'm like, what? Could you explain your reasoning? Why? Why they? What they did was weak. Like, because all they did was turn around and save their commanding officer, which is like yeah. a, against orders for sure. But it didn't seem. It seemed pretty successful. They turn around and use the laser gun. Yeah, I thought Tro did like a kind of like a little 180. Like, what? Where's this coming from? Well, like, it's it's just and and the thing that clarifies it for me is a line from the next episode where it's just he's contemptuous of Oz soldiers. And at this point, he doesn't know, yeah. that, like, he doesn't differentiate Zex's forces from Oz soldiers, which is fair. Which is fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, blah, 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 Ox, we learned Ox, don't be... The, the uh, dented car is a nice touch. We see the two BMWs and the one's dented in the front. I was like, nice job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, 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 Ox says, don't be tricked by pranks. Which I thought was fun. I didn't. I. 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 You might as well have said shenanigans as far as like official military terms go for maneuvering. Um, I also wanted to note that it isn't Noin's fault that nobody listens to her. She gives a pretty clear order to this guy about don't don't leave the cloud cover, and he's like, no, I'm going to do it, mm-hmm. and then he gets shot down, and it's like. Yeah. Did, did you want to provide a further comment about the mail thing, or did we? I want well, to talk about the letter real quick. Oh, okay. Well, so. Um, Maybe my notes are out of order then. <laughs> Maybe my notes are out of no, order. No, I think then. you're a bit ahead. Oh, I think the, you're right. The, the pursuit ends this episode, right? The whole yeah. pursuit action well, scene? Well, it's right after the letter, and then they okay. said where we headed to anyway in yeah, the South yeah, Pole. Yeah. Okay. Oh, must have taken my notes on the letter in a different place. That's very weird. It's never okay. happened to me before. So, Relina receives a letter. Yes. Or no, actually. Well, I mean, she does <laughs> receive a letter. The letter is not for her. So, they, they what do they do? Do they intercept 
some letter, some mail that that was meant to be sent on the download to Hero Yui. Because remember, Mrs. Noventa is not trying to; uh, she's trying to escape Oz's notice when she's sending this letter. Yeah. Um. So I assume Pagan used his. Pagan his, does lots of things. All so right. Pagan, well, you know, it's a crime to open other people's mail. <laughs> so Pagan, I assume, is Michael Caine from Chris Dolan's Batman films, and has his own. A long time ago, me and some men, you know, like has just has well, some. I don't, I, I don't have a good Michael. Kane I, if I if I had time, I could. If you give me like a bit, I could do it, but I can't. I would do be it channeling Steve Coogan's Michael Kane, but also botching. Right, the exactly. I would have to. She was sixteen years old. Like, you know. I can't do it. Especially, um, I'm, I'm super sick. Well, not uh, super sick, but you could tell. Um. So in any case, I imagine he has some some deep cut connections because also mm. next episode he he gets a call immediately knows where hero is and he's yeah. just like oh okay thanks <laughs> like, uh so they get this letter they receive this letter it is addressed to hero yui relina takes the letter uh she turns around immediately turns back around and opens the letter yeah it is i want to say <laughs> it is like maybe two and a half maybe a minute of of contemplation of oh, like, she's like I'm, do I do this thing yeah yeah one hundred percent I like how she pauses there but she'll just open fire on people I mean they're justified yeah but that's, still that's it's what opening I'm saying. mail she she gave way less hesitation when she decided <laughs> to bathe in the blood of Oz and shoot Lady Un in the face it's I I would call it like. We don't really get to see Rulina act like her age, really. And this was like the most adorably, like, like prim and proper fifteen-year-old sort of thing to do. Like, it, I, I was very endeared by this, no, even Sam. though it is. Oh yeah, it's extremely endeared. It is a criminal. Real crime. quick, this is, a, I guess, a lore question. Sure. Where do you mail a gun? How do you send a letter to a gun pot? <laughs> she just writes Hero Yui on it. She wrote two unit one. I well, know there are I mean, school what? records, but he's also deleting those constantly. I mean, letters to Santa go to the North Pole. Letters to Gundam pilots go to Antarctica. <laughs> nice. Okay, All no, right. That's, yeah, there there we go. Go. that's the answer. End scene. All right. So Mrs. Noventa has a letter to Hero where she is uh, suspiciously forgiving of if Hero's murder of her husband. Also <laughs> sounds exactly like Sylvia. Yeah, it's <laughs> a Sylvia's voice actor. I guess because like. she says that, you know, your sudden visit caught me off guard so i guess they didn't talk about much i just imagine the conversation just here's, a, here's silence. the gun <laughs> well, here's the gun but also they're having t- i imagine them having tea looking across the coast or something oh by the way i killed your husband i i, I sort of this is headcanon because we didn't see this moment and we, we should make it clear that i wish start, we did see this moment at, at the start of 15 they're like leaving an estate or whatever and they just kind of cross a name off of a list and it seemed like the last name um i almost wondered if they like were let into the estate they spoke with like a representative and never saw Mrs. Noventa. Like Mrs. Noventa was not ready to see this person. Um, and then when in, informed, okay, here's my head cannon. I don't think I think Mrs. Noventa just did not like <laughs> Marshall Noventa very much, like, because the way she is, the way she writes about this is like I, I can't pretend to know the emotional state of someone who has lost their significant other, especially a long-time significant other like that, I'm not saying it is impossible to reach a point in your life where that person could be taken from you. And to really, like, even if it was a child, right? Which, hero, like, if, if you're, like, an older lady and this child comes to you and it's like, hey, I, I killed your husband in my super tank. <laughs> I just like 
her her tone I find suspiciously forgiving. It's not that weird for this show is the thing because of what we've seen from Sally, what we've seen from Noin, even what we've seen from Relina. I mean, we're taught that everyone is super impressed by Hero in this show. And so to have another person do that is like in the tone of the show, not surprising. Yeah, it's... Our family is honored to have met with you. She should have used the term, and by the way... We're big fans. Yeah, we're big, big fans. fans. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. Everyone uh, in our hometown loves I do you. like how, not like how, but she does stress that my husband and Vente died trying to build a world. I could imagine Vente and Marshall Noventer, they've been in the, tra- they've known each other for like 60 years. They're close, they're very close buds. I would have also liked to watch that buddy cop show. Potentially. So the, the other thing uh, that I wrote down here when I, where I misplaced my note was Relina spins in place, so she's allowed to open it. That's, that's the rule. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah. the rule. It's, yeah. It's the Peacecraft way. A, yeah. Um, <laughs> total 360. So we cut to Hero and Troa, and they're uh, they're they're standing. In, in, Great shot! This th- shot with their eyes down, or eyes closed, heads down, sipping the coffee. The Java, yeah, the yes. Java. Yeah, they have Java. their Java. And Noin walks up with coats like, "What are you idiots doing?" <laughs> which is very fair. Which is like, here, dummies, just ask. <laughs> like, what? No one's impressed. Uh, so yeah, we we know we 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 kind of cut ahead to this previously. Uh, uh, I want to comment that the uh, I mentioned before how I like that some of these action scenes were more give and take between various forces. I think another thing that I the battlefields selected in Gundam Wing uh, actually impressed me sometimes. Yeah. I really liked you know, this. So like this one, I like the Marseille shot a lot. The yeah, the Marseille tunnel fight uh, above and below the clouds in Antarctica, the Mogadishu fortress. Mm-hmm. I, I think all were, were visually interesting in a way that makes me wish the action was often more visually interesting. Yeah, I, I think this fight between the uh, flying purple people eaters of our forces and their forces was pretty interesting and fun. The light blue Aries, nice touch. I like that model. Yeah. The color. Um, no one gets punked by Oct. In, act in a, yeah in act yeah uh, in a way that makes me wonder what oct was doing would would was doing out there if they if zex wasn't there like they had to know right like because yeah. because that's the twist is like aha so zex is here right zex I mean, he, must have such unilateral power how do oz special forces not know where zex's base in the antarctic is <laughs> it's yeah i mean so we Troa uh, decides to leave and finish off the the forces of of, of Romer Feller, uh, and he does a like. What would you call this? Like mm-hmm. a sort of like a pirouette, tor- like a tornado thing. Yeah, like like, a, like a, uh, it reminds me of um, Jin from Mor- Marvel vs. Capcom Two has a typhoon move. That's a a charge move where you hold back and then put forward. And right, attack. yeah, you spin around like that. Tornado. You know, That's yeah. what it looked like Right, to me. right. I, one other thing I do want to mention, Troa's pretty in Noin's face, which I thought kind of came out of nowhere because Troa directly addresses Noin and says, stop, stop lying. You wouldn't dream of doing anything that would be a burden to Zex. They just met each other. Yeah. He doesn't have that history. And then even, which is a little even more strange, the framing of the shot because then they have a shot of Hero and Troa the camera's down, looking upon them as if they're in a position of power, and Hero's grimacing, and then it cuts to Noin, who's in an inferior position, and the camera is over her head looking down as if she's a child, which I thought was a really strange shot. I also thought it was weird. I I, I think the only thing really we can take away is that Troa feels threatened by Noin's hair. Yeah. I think that the, the fact that they have the same hairstyle is really bucking him out. <laughs> 
Um, so that's pretty much it. I mean, we yeah we, yeah we have. I a, mean, a, rip uh, rip Inspector Oct. He yeah. was he was a real class Oct. Me. <laughs> 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 Another point I have, though, Troa says, those who have laid eyes on a Gundam shall not live That's to tell jinx. about it, except the the carnival workers, except the <laughs> Alliance soldiers in the Leos, because presumably I don't get a read that he suits. killed them in cold blood. Well, wait, the ones in the tunnels? Well, no, I mean, uh, I, yeah, did they all perish? I thought they all died before. The commander with the last unit yeah. before uh, was they, heavy no, arms was able to. But, I'm, but I mean, it's still, still totally looked annoying, and everyone at the Zex yeah. space. I mean, it's not like he goes and kills all of them. Yeah, you know? no, it seems not yet anyway. But yeah, yeah um, th- this was the moment where I was confused. So Troa, Troa does his spinny move. And uh, he he has to he has to he has to claw his hands off of the controls, and it seems to be causing him physical pain. And I was wondering, was this a thing? Was this like they where they were fucking with the balance of the heavy arms, and so his his maneuver fucked him all up, and that's why he hurt oh, himself? Ma- uh, is is that what happened? Because because the first time I watched it, I thought it was clumsy storytelling. Yes, yeah, so did I, I. I thought it was clumsy. Like establishing that the the Gundam pilots are not unwilling warriors, but I, I regret their like actions in these battles. Um, it could still be that I I, I I that just stuck out to me, and because they are talking about specifically balance in those two parts of the mech, so like I don't know, it, it was just clumsy. And there's a weird, really really weird end of the episode where. Troa is like, hey, I need you to put those explosives back in for Hero Yui. And Noin's like, what? No, <laughs> you got to worry about your next move, kid. And I was like, what next move? What are you talking about? His next move is getting back in the goddamn airplane. Like, what do you mean? You go to your stupid tournament. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so here we are. We're we're at the tournament. Uh, we're here in episode 16, A Sorrowful Battle. Is that 16, Sorrowful Battle? Yeah. Yeah, yeah The Sorrowful Battle, yeah. Um, we're going to Barclay. Like the shitty episode. It, we're going to Barclay Base. <laughs> oh boy! I, I okay. So I mean, I don't know necessarily if I disagree. Necessarily, we're going to Barclay Base. Uh, Troa is dismissive of Oz. This is more uh, to me. This is more cleanly establishing Troa's shitty attitude for the past couple episodes has been because he's di- he literally hates these forces, and and we can hope. That one day we will be uh, elucidated as to why. We could hope that one day someone will tell us why Troa is so feels so strongly about the you know being shitty towards the Oz soldiers who are mostly kind of just rolling with it. Like Miser has a great line when Zex introduces them. <laughs> how are you? Yeah. Hey, how are you? Uh, it's very O'Brien. It's very Miles <laughs> O'Brien of them. Yeah. Um, the- can I just do a quick sanity check? I know Gundam is never going to make any character blink at the white mask thing, but like I really wanted Hero or Troa to blink at the white mask. Yeah. Oh my god! It didn't. I never even thought a, about that. It didn't even like, occur like, to like, me. I, I'm so someone, used to it. Right. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I know because like at this point, you know, I I recently had rewatched all Mobile Suit and Zeta, and like no one blinks at the white mask because I guess at that point he's a war hero, but I don't think. I don't think Zex has the reputation among, like, we don't get the impression that the boys are alerted to the threat presented by Zex, right? It's not like he's the Red Comet, you know, whereas, like, you know, Amaro, everyone knows about the Red Comet. The Lightning Count, we don't get, like, he's known... Baron? He's known within the forces. (laughs) 
but he he is he is right. not presented like a sort of externally known threat that, on two sides of a war. Right, right, right. And not in the same way that Char was. Right. right. And so again, I know the show isn't going to do it, but like I wanted it. Yeah. Now that you mention it, it's going to occur to me every single time. Yeah. Um, the Filchner Ice Shelf, real place. They did some yeah, research. Yeah, yeah. It's in the Arctic. Uh, I like how Hero, uh, in the moment where he is introduced to Zex, he out awkwards Zex. They they out awkward each other. Uh, the, the stilted dialogue. It's it's extremely good. Uh, uh, the because it's because they have this moment, this interaction <laughs> where I'm just I wrote it down because it's so stupid, and I'm reading it in, in a monotonous voice. And it's well, hysterical because because like Zex has is like I'm, I'm okay. So giving the show credit here. Um, more credit than it deserves. Uh, Zex is trying to, at this point, establish a connection with Hero Yui um, and like paint them each other as peers. And Zex is like, "I'm Zex Marquis. I hear your name's Hero Yui. That's the name of the the, the other guy. <laughs> is that your real name?" And Hero's like, "No, you. No, you. <laughs> oh, so we're using our made up names. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm Spider Man." Uh, uh, <laughs> And um, Zex kind of is just say like, it. say it, Stephen Hero. Wait, what? I oh, know. I thought I thought he was about to say I'm Quattro. Oh, Quattro. But no, <laughs> yeah. I, was th- I was thinking. Oh, I'm, I'm Zex fuckface. Like some stupid. Like that. <laughs> well, like because Zex kind of is just like <laughs> fucking fair enough. Fucking, you got me. Can I just say before we get into the quote unquote meat of this episode, I love all the characters and their Arctic wear. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no. I love fashion Gundam. Seeing the the like the the trench coat with the mask on it, yeah. like that's especially what made it jump out at me. Right? If he had been wearing his normal military uniform, Zex, with all the red yeah. and the black boots, and like just like the, how ridiculously over the top it is, at that point, I could say, okay, yeah, this guy's just over the top. Look at his uniform. I'm right. not going to make a comment about the helmet, right? But to walk out into the tarmac <laughs> and see a gray trench coat, but also right. A mask, the, the white a helmet mask. with flowing blonde locks. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. It's quite sure yeah. wearing over our heads. It's a lot. It's quite a lot for sure. Um, so uh, Zex re- re- introduces him to his best friend Miser, um, and I noted down. Oh no, we learned his name. His days are numbered. Yeah. Um, and he presents the Wing Gundam to Hero, and um, he says, "Do you like it?" <laughs> Uh, I wish this were the episode, because this is much more fun. Ah, boy. So, (laughs) do you, like, okay, he says it, do you like it, like, um, like, I've, yeah, like, I've taken, um, here, Zex and Hero have arrived at the prom. Uh, It's a Helga, it's a Helga Pataki moment. And he's, he's presented uh, Hero with, like, a. Like some flowers or a corsage or something like that. And he's like, here, do you like it? Or, like, or it's like a kid showing their mother like the pasta craft they made. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, like, hey, you, you totaled your car, but I got it back from the shop. Do you like and it? And I rebuilt it myself. Yeah. Do you like it? It's like, it's... I, I etched our names in the seat. It reminded me immediately of, in Beauty and the Beast, there's the, the one of the scenes where we're, we're really starting to uh, see that the Beast understands now how to communicate with Belle. He he brings Bell to his personal library, and is like, "Fucking go nuts, read anything." He he says one to one, "Do you like it?" And in that exact way, so my brain immediately teleported me there, and I was completely unprepared for the rest of this episode. Basically, <laughs> um, 
Miser says, how are you? Um, in a way that is, um, uh, I can't speak PMC. Maybe you can, you can speak to this. Uh, I, I, it is, seems to be very engineer like to just be like, how are you? Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I have no idea how much direction the miser actor is given, but it is extremely, yeah, you're at a tech fest and like you're meeting up and you're just like, oh, hey, hey how, how are, are you? you? Yeah. Right. You know, to, to this, you know, to like international terrorist extraordinary. Right. Exactly. Um, <laughs> So, uh, Hero says, I have never shaken hands before. And then they shake hands, and, and I believe him, because that he definitely looks like someone who's never shaken hands <laughs> I before. I mean, they didn't train him to shake hands, no, I'll tell you that. Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, so, you'll have to forgive me, audience, because like my brain is fried for this next part, because um, the next part is Noin, who is contemplating some things. Uh, she's kind of right now putting together the, the the actions of the last few days in her head, and she's kind of like, so, wait, so Romafeller <laughs> is... <laughs> when so, you do the impressions, it sounds like they're blasted. They're well, well, like, because, I mean, it really, it, like, they're, Noin is, is putting together out loud, explicitly out loud, as we'll find out in a moment, the 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 events of the last few days and it seems like it's only now it's occurring to her like oh you know zex is a hero for oz but romerfeller seems like at the drop of a hat ready to throw him under the bus and people who are wanting to impress romerfeller are trying to do that to gain favor with these richy rich fuck faces and uh she sort of has this line the subtitles were very fucked for this line cuz she says is the path that Zex is heading down wrong. That's what she says. What the subtitles say is, is the path Zex is heading down not wrong? <laughs> Which, uh, it was, I, I had to rewind it to make sure I heard it correct, because my brain heard I the picked correct... I up on that too, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, well, the subtitles were written by Drill, so... Uh, yeah, well, oh, <laughs> uh, so, because it... It, it it is like baffling enough to be regular Gundam Ring <laughs> yeah, script. Like yeah. that, that's the problem, especially because Zex comes in and is like, "I didn't mean to over here," and I'm like, "Yes, you fucking did." Like, yes, you did. And ain't been dropping no eaves. Yeah, I, didn't, I haven't been dropping no eaves, sir. Honest. And he explains that that part of the problem. I think you'll have to forgive me, audience, because I, I like your imp- your reads are good. It's it's better than the show. I, it's it's not. It, this part was really hard, and and I and I did my best to not look this up, but I, I spoilers. I did. He says he has an aesthetic sense of war, <laughs> um, and and something about. Can, so let's talk about what that could mean. So so I think what he means. I think what he means. Is that he his 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 philosophy towards battle and war is one that does not is not pragmatic at its core, right? It's not one where the victory justifies any other action. It is that his his sense of war is one of of honor and I I have to assume that's what he means. Yeah, it's because, inherently theatrical as well. Because the phrase I have an aesthetic sense of war means nothing. It really, to me, all I could think about was the idea that this is the sort of phrase, it's a string of words that has no meaning and is exactly the sort of thing that ContraPoints would analyze to show that it's gobbledygook. Right, exactly. Yes, yeah, no, that's correct. It's, it's, 
more than than I, I want to say. What was the last time it was this bad? It was it was before we did the stretch of two episodes. So the last stretch of three we did, like I think it was seven, eight, nine, yep. or something yep. like that. Yep. This sixteen script is one of the worst. Like, yeah. and and I looked went and looked this up. This isn't even the dub's fault this time. Like, the, just the base script is just not good, or at least even the. The Hong Kong right. dub script was a different also, translation. Did not make it clear. No, it didn't. It made it well. What what became clear was that the problem is the yeah the 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 core the, right. the the original writing. I I don't understand Hero's generosity here. Um, but I think what what at this point it, it it isn't clear yet because it becomes explicit as the battle proceeds is that Zex is trying to in order to arrive at some sort of new conclusion. He's trying to basically recreate the exact scenario they were in when they fought, what was it, episode 8 or 9, something no, like that? No, Distracted by Defeat, I think, was episode 10, wasn't it? Okay, so yes, yeah. Hero Distracted by Dead Defeat by is 10. Yeah, yeah, Dead by Daylight. And so Hero is like, no, I'm not going to use the Wing Gundam. I'm going to use Troa's Gundam. <laughs> All, all this generosity is blowing the focus on fighting. Is it? <laughs> well, that's that's that was my question. You're here to fight a tournament tomorrow. His okay. ex is talking about here, the aesthetics a, of fighting. Here's an exercise in imagination. <coughs> does Hero use the wing if the self destruct is connected, or oh. does that actually matter? I I couldn't tell if that was just like you didn't restore this thing, and then we know why because like Zex is like no interruptions this time, boys. You know, because but like. I, I wonder if that has any. That's just an idea, you know. I was just sort of thinking about it. I mean, that would make me a whole lot happier. Like yeah. it would, it would give me a reason for for because right. it, it otherwise seems like weird musical chairs for no reason. Yeah. Like it doesn't. Yeah. It seems like almost like like if 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 Hero was a character we understood better if we knew more about what made him tick. Like I would say it could possibly be an ego thing of like I don't need my suit. You know, like because I, I something that that I assumed had to be true was that the Gundams weren't one to one. You know, like like it'd be like whenever like I can drive, right? I can drive automobiles. I can drive cars. Uh, if I got into PMC's car, there would be a period of adjustment. PMC probably has his mirrors in a different way, or he probably has a seat in a different way because he's just a taller person than I am. Like it, I would hope something that I liked in in fifteen. Or no, it was this one, actually. Something I like about 15 and 16 is that it makes it clear just how complicated a machine a mobile suit is. Because they established that in order to bring Unit 1, wing the Goldberg Gundam, back to operating, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, original operating parameters, they would need to spend just as much time programming in the the, uh, ability for the arms to use beam sabers and the beam weapon. Um, and I was and was thinking about oh it's nice to see the acknowledgement of how complicated this would be that that it isn't just like a Lego set that you put together and then it works. Uh, but yeah, no, all, all of this is is fufra. It's weird, like and it's like, also even more awkward because it's almost as if you know when you see little little kids interact. Let's say if like two parents have a play date and they're introducing two kids who really don't want to hang out hang out right and Noin's almost like Hiro Yui isn't there something you're forgetting to say to Colonel Zex yeah. as if no one wants to be in this fucking show in the first place <laughs> and the only the reason they're there is because of the force of the screenwriter's pen well it's it's it is a crazy scene because it's like you're not my mom <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can like 
Like, here, what do we say? To yeah, but like, really though, like knowing it, like if it was like Sally Poe, I would feel a little <laughs> bit differently about be- her being like, "What do we say?" Because um, Noin does not know them. Like, <laughs> what I love about this too, right, is that right in the middle of this is that we the the poor Victoria based guy has to keep answering the fucking phone <laughs> for whoever shows up. <laughs> And, and it's like Pagan and Relina show up. And even in the middle of that, Pagan takes a phone call. And is like, actually, we can just get out of here. Yeah. Like, we don't even need this idiot. I wish it were the underlings who were the focus of the show. And yeah. all the main characters were in the back, like out of focus. But you could still hear their ridiculous dialogue. Yeah, like... Um, uh, a mystery science theater, essentially. And they're just dunking on the characters. TNG so has an episode like this, Lower Decks, mm-hmm. where that focuses on, uh, uh, you know, typically Star Trek focuses on the bridge crew. And, and this episode is specifically about... Ensigns and and lower deck people, um, and I agree. Gundam Wing. I think I think there is one at some point. I know we're going to get episodes that are just straight up like Noin, Sally, Lady Un, like like supporting cast adventures. I know there's a some point where Noin and Sally start teaming up. That's and good. I'm I'm down. I'm, I'm there for that. Part. I'm ready for that show. So the showdown occurs. We have uh, the Talgies. Uh, I think Talgies might be Mechanation's favorite. Yeah, that's uh, probably about right. Mechanation's favorite Gundam at this point um, uh, versus the Unit Three, the Heavy Arms. I don't know if we came up with one that we liked for Heavy Arms. Uh, did we? Did we unanimously decide on one uh, that we liked for Heavy I Arms? I forget if we really had one that Cute we shuffling paper because uh, I know at least my partner thought Heavy Arms was just ugly, so I didn't have a good mm. name for Heavy Arms. Just got ugly. Um, but in any case, the battle begins and. Uh, and like immediately, Zex is like, "Well, we're not going to die in a fight of this low caliber, right?" So it's like, "All right, well, this fight doesn't really matter. Well, it's just how can we end this fight?" Yeah, and then Charo says, "That's an awfully long time later on for a meaningless battle." Yeah, truth, meaningless battle. Well, so yeah, th- so we get to this moment, and and like I don't know about you guys, um, but I, I watch an awful lot of of shows that do come to these moments organically. I, I like Shonen. Uh, it, it is it is very exciting when we get to a, a battle like this. One of the best. Mwah, one-on-one fights in a tournament arc is the the Gon Hisoka fight. One of the best ones. It's a very low stakes. Comes in the middle of the show. Power levels are pretty low. It it for some reason those fights have become really really the most memorable and exciting for me. This this one's music's dope, of course. Music's but. good. Yeah, music's good. Um, I mean, uh, you know, again, visually, I think it has some appeal because they actually animate the mechs doing. Some of the animations are, are canned, but like some of the things that you find, once, especially once they get to beam saber fighting, you know, seeing heavy arms being animated to do that is sort yeah. of fun. One of the things I think I, is interesting about mech combat, and, and we'll see this as we, we watch other shows, is that um, mech combat uh, doesn't, um, because the, the mechs are controlled by a pilot and they're people shaped, um, there's often a lack of dignity in mech combat. There's there are situations where a person shaped thing is going through something that would be shameful or difficult to watch or maybe even funny to watch like a, a human do like there's a bit where heavy arms is is like falling through the snow and it, and they're falling in a, in a way that a person wouldn't fall because you know through reflex we we try to protect our face or we try to get up again and heavy arms just kind of flops over and is dragged down across the way and i enjoyed watching thinking about this is something that we we've commented on before where you you have battles between mechs and like a mech loses an arm or a mech is chopped in half and it's damage that 
is is communicated as similar to that damage being done on a human, but it wouldn't be, of course. And I, I just like to see how different shows treat this sort of thing. Uh, Troa thinks this is stupid. and We get to the worst written part of the show where Noin kind of agrees that it's stupid, but that she she believes that the the thing that will result from all this will be worthwhile in the long run. And everyone else tacitly sort of agrees. I said, Choa agrees this is stupid. What the fuck are they even talking about? Why is everyone else on board? Is my series of notes here. Uh, uh, some 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 guys from Oct's inspection team are showing up. Uh, Choa goes out in the wing Gundam. Apparently, the beam rifle's just fine. Uh, disregard whatever you had heard previously about them not getting that to work in time. Well, I thought they had fixed the... Uh, I thought they had fixed it to use beam sabers, not to fire the gun. That's Wasn't that's that? what I'm that's what okay, I'm saying, yeah, is yeah, that yeah, I don't yeah. understand. Because right, yeah. the, the, the point of that scene was that they could only focus their time on one thing. Right. Um, and Zex's logic in that moment, I realize now, is at the fight in Hero Distracted by Defeat... We had reached the point of, yes, no beam rifles between friends. Yes. Uh, which is what Zex says. So in his dumb logic, it's like, yeah, this is fine because we were beam sabering anyway. Right, right. Um, uh, so uh, we finally learn the name of the butler here after all this. Yes, Pagan. We, we finally learned that his name is Pagan. Uh, yeah, I, when, I, when I first watched the previous episode, I did a deep dive. I was like, yeah, I'm going to impress my friends and find out what P- his name is. And, and I, I spent like 15 minutes I looking sp- for Pagan. I spent a year working on this, and then they just tweeted it out. I, I think <laughs> it came crumbling down. I think it's fun. And <laughs> He just tweeted it out. <laughs> just tweeted he just it out. tweeted it out. Um, I think it's fun that that both Stephen and I went on like uh, spiritual quest. Yeah, exactly. Like weird deep dives. Uh, so Troa goes back and out and de- defeats some of the the inspection boys coming in, and in that process, uh, he saves Relina and Pagan. Uh, Relina, okay. So Relina just is just sort of chatting with Troa. They have Troa, an odd rapport with one another. Troa right just of kind of well. So, but. So is she on radio or like, you know, this is one of those situations where the fact that they're just directly communicating means I'm willing to overlook because I think when I had brought up this before, my frustration was that the show had shown us very explicitly, for example, like Skype uh, calls and stuff. Sally yeah. Poe and the new Edward, new Edwards base was like, look at these loudspeakers. Sure, sure. Yeah. There is not a two way radio link. Right. And then, but there was. And then there was, yes, correct. Whereas, like, here, I think I'm much more willing to be like, yeah, you know what? This is fine. You're right. Like, I mean, you're it, right. maybe it doesn't make sense that they would necessarily find each other on the radio. It's the soul of outer space. But yeah, it's the soul of outer space. And, and, like, there's only two things there. And they're clearly communicating directly, even if she's like, has her face in the cabin window <laughs> look, and then talking. That's the part that gets I, me. She's like, she's very clearly like shouting out towards the. the well, I mean, look, it's better than opening the door and shouting and out. So like, no, you're right though. You're right in that it is very easy. Like uh, it is not too much to ask from me to make the leap that they're yeah. just talking on. Right. right. Now. This is one of those things where it's, it's fine. It, it, and it's also, it doesn't interrupt the flow. Right. So much of the time where I'm annoyed by it is, we we see Trey's walking in the yard and we're hearing the memory of a phone conversation, but actually the phone conversation is right now. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you yes, know? yes so that's yes. like, this totally. is like conversation between Relina and Troa. I'm good. Next thing. They haven't met, have they? I can't, I don't think they have, right? Troa and Relina? Yeah. No. All right, yeah. Not at all. 
Because the way their conversation has, it's almost as if, if they're friends, like, yo, Hero's on a bender. You need to, like, intervene. Right. Well, I think... As what, if they've known each other. I think point. what's happened is they've joined the the Discord that is around the Hero fandom. Yeah. And so, he, Verlina being the admin of that Discord, Troa yeah. knows who Verlina It's the Hero knows. hometown Discord. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> big fans. Big fans. <laughs> hero hometown. <laughs> um, uh, fuck. Um, so, Verlina's here to deliver a letter. Um, Pagan flies it right between them. Right between them! Pagan! Oh, man. <laughs> so so she's here to deliver a letter. She has a line that, that isn't... I, the line I wanted her to say was, I totally didn't open it. <laughs> like, when um, she stands out, she has like not just the letter, even. like She has a book. And I was like really like prepared for her to like start reading a self-help book from the side of the plane. Yeah, really. <laughs> she's like, this is the Cone Marie method. <laughs> it'll help you bring joy to your life. Yeah, it'll help <laughs> you, you know? find the spark of joy um so she's like i have this letter it's it's it's, it'll tell you how to live the rest of your life and zex is like uh uh can you uh can you move a little bit can you just uh can you move and relina literally an older brother embarrassed that his sister has found him doing yeah you're in the way get lost well so relina calls literally everyone out in this scene um so she is like this is dumb everyone should stop and Zex is like, please move so we can keep doing this dumb thing. <laughs> yeah. And she says, as Relina Peacecraft, I order you to stop having this dumb fight. Zex still has the dumb fight. This I thought was interesting. This, to me, it, it shows that, that Zex's dumb, true soldier shit... Supersedes all. Supersedes I, what I thought yeah, was... Yeah, because when his, he, she said the name, like yeah, he would, you know... What stop. I thought would be his number one concern. Honestly, I, I believe him when he says like he, he truly believes in his peacecraft nonsense. I, I until today, I took him at his word here, but he clearly cares more about this fight in this moment. He cares more about this fight. And Relina, Oh, man, this is fucking good because she's like, you know what? Fucking cool. You know what? Kill him. Hero, defeat that man. Kill him. <laughs> Hero, kill him, she says. And and like you know what big mood you yeah, know what big yeah. totally <laughs> it is Rulina is so rugged I love Rulina she's so cool and and Noin takes this as the moment and like you know what this is fair like honestly it, this is the moment to explain like listen I get it this is all really dumb but you you really don't want to wish death on your own brother dun 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 I like how Noin has like a gif on hand of. Zex posed on a Leo the Land Mobile suit in like this really dramatic. Oh, like, he's yeah, he's Rikering. Yeah, yeah, he's right. Rikering hard. I I don't know what's what's going on there. Um, it, it's it's extremely good image of I I, I almost <laughs> that's some good animation. They clipped that from the opening. Yeah, podcast audience, I was trying to do it here in the chairs that we have here. Right. It's 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 quite the image of him on the Leo the Land Mobile suit. <laughs> um, so Pagan knew. Yeah, Pagan. Uh, knew. This is the moment where I I threw all my goddamn research out the goddamn window. <laughs> Um and and shot it in the head, Lady Un style, just like poor uh, uh, General Septum repping pepperoni. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, my next note here is so much nonsense from everyone. Like this is a real hard part time to talk about this show, everyone, because like it's sense it makes done. There's one line that blew me out of the water when Zex says, "Glory to the colony." Oh my god! What the I... fuck? <laughs> no, the whole okay, okay. Let's get a line of okay. There's we're starting here. There's a thing that's really wild when like Noin is like, yeah, you know what? 
I do love him. And I'm like, okay, maybe not the right time to bring this up, but like, fine. It fits with your character. I'm like, okay with that. And then Relina with like the most shit eating grin that she's managed this whole show so far is like, yeah, I'm fucking reckless too. <laughs> yeah, she says like she must be in the blood or something like that. And, and then it's it's like read the room, everyone. Like, <laughs> and then we get a sick new music track that's really triumphant. Oh, that that's so so out it's of place. A, it's such a good music it's, track, it's a but good it's music. so it's out of place. It's like oh, I just learned that I you know told my 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 the the boyfriend to yeah. kill my brother, my attack dog boyfriend. Yeah. And then it's triumphant music, and X is like, you know what? Glory to the colonies. <laughs> yeah. You guys take the day off. I'm going to go do this thing. Turn myself into the police after this. It's, I'm going to go on a bender now. It really is like at that point explicitly clear that once present, like once they all got together to do the thing they were planning on doing, the, the reality of the thing they were planning on doing was so dumb that they were all embarrassed by it and just had to all leave. You know, like it's, it's like, it's like the world's where it's like, okay, we're all going to get together. We're going to LARP for the first time ever. We're going to get together. We've got our costumes ready. We've got our books ready. I, I've, I've set up a brand new costume for my best friend who I've invited to this thing. And when they all got together and none of them, the vibe just never took off. And so they just like, you know what? Let's, let's go to Sal's and get some pizza. Like it, it's, it was like, explicitly clear especially the for the colonies i was like like you're canceled sex like you're 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 like you, you <laughs> don't even he's, know he's gonna be a real problem the next time we fight him like, because i guess we're gonna fight him again well, i don't it's so weird right yeah that too like it's 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 all just like it like it on one hand it's it's the plot not making sense and on the other hand it's people saying words that you would hear typically in those other circumstances like oh he'll be a real challenger next time like that's a that's the sort of thing you'd hear right like when a recurring character is has left the battle without it having a, a conclusion you know like yeah, it's it's like they wrote the they wrote the they had bullet points and then they they put a bunch of like square pegs into round holes because like because he can't he can't really mean that, right? Like, I, I have to... If I'm being, like, the most charitable I possibly can, I'm, it's that, like, he has, like, grown a new respect for the Gundam pilots, and that was him being, yeah. like... But, like, it's not even really like he's fighting for the colonies, because the search party is there for him. Right. That, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's all... This, like This isn't the Gundam's last stand. No. And Zex, it's, it's not like, you know, uh, you know, like, it's like uh, the the end of, like empire or last jedi where it's like let me distract the empire he, while you get away i wonder did he mean like the united states did he did he mean like the <laughs> like you know how, how yeah. <laughs> like old like old-timey british people yeah. used to refer to the united states as, like the colony the red shirt the red shirts are here <laughs> the the british red shirts from the 1780s yeah, and i will came, now stop them they came in 30 carriers yeah uh, which uh, again you know whenever they uh enumerate how many things they brought i i thought Man, how many? Uh, imagine how many groups of five those carriers can right. carry. Um, so Zex is gonna sacrifice himself because he has no idea what he's doing. He has lost the plot. Uh, uh, yeah, he maybe understands what's happening less than we do, and that's saying something. Yeah, that is saying something. Did the show want us to believe that? Because there is, I mean, there's a, a throwaway line where he's like, "To annoying, make sure you get Relina away from here." Right. Does the show want us to believe that he has now accepted protecting Relina as his pro- highest priority? I think so. That's what the show wants. It doesn't yeah. do a good job communicating right. it. But yeah. I, I think that okay. because, because 
the what Noin is saying in that part where she's saying nonsense is that Zex has lost sight of a goal now that he's achieved his two mini goals, which was the dissolution of the alliance and revenge on in regards to the Sand King. Yes. He has achieved those two things. So now he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Right. Because now he's stuck in this fascistic group whose whose aims are world domination, and he has no feelings about that. He doesn't this is, by the way, a big problem for us, the audience, because so many of the characters that we are supposed to like are implicit in fascistic violence. Like Noin as a character I like who has explicitly empowered fascists. Uh, Zex has, in his quest for vengeance, completely ignored who is really responsible and has empowered them and basically has taken out individuals who, who don't represent really the problem. Um, the show does not have the language to deal with this. Um, it, is, it, it is extremely important to its plot, but it's only important insofar as it is setting for character actions that don't actually lead anywhere. Like, you know, Trace does not, Trace does not even get his own mobile suit in this show. He will eventually, there's one he will pilot towards the end, but the, the reason that matters is because in, in the, for the purposes of mech shows, that means he's never going to meet our characters in their hometown, s- right? In the hometown of a mech show. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. that, yeah. that character conflict is never going to happen. You know, it, it's, it's, Something that that I think this show is really struggling with because Zex is not a Char character. Char is more implicitly not antagonistic, but is put against Amuro and those forces in a more direct manner. Like he has his own machinations. (laughs) (laughs) He said it within the the plot, but he is still a (laughs) Zeon. For a while, he is still a Zeon right. I mean, soldier. He, he's he just comes from a different fascist family, right? You know, that's it. <laughs> but Zex is different because we are meant to be on Zex's level sympathetically. We we are meant to see him as another protagonist, right? Yes. In the same way that Relina is another protagonist, even though the show doesn't know that Relina is the main character, right? Like, because Hero's not our main character. And it, if it's not Hero, it can't be any of the other ones, right? So Gundam Wing's main problem is that it doesn't have a core, which we talked about previously, and that it's just setting things up as it goes. And so it can't really build things up or pay things off or anything like that. It's constantly um, spinning its wheels. Yeah, exactly. And and it's it's these episodes in particular where the identity crisis really becomes like explicit like mm-hmm. this yeah. this should have been a cool like finally a direct straightforward confrontation with no bells and whistles it is one of our one character who we like versus another character who we're supposed to like and they fight and that's that's there's inherent drama in that and this time it was it wasn't really there for me i i, I it, you know the the actual fight it was cool it was just really hard to get into it because the script made it hard and and you know this time i can't blame the adaptation altogether uh but overall the, these three episodes i really enjoyed 14 and 15 like yeah i think 14 was the the 
best for me just because we got to see into some of those sort of mech world important details. Yes, uh, yes, why, yes. Why mechs? Who are the villains? What is their motivation? Roma Feller becoming more explicit is is making things yeah, make more ma- sense. Way too. more sense. Uh, and then 15 had some other... I mean, 15 had some of the most insane things. Yes. Uh, but yes. also some of the other, you know, usual <laughs> mech bits of, you know, personalized mechs and things like that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I... I, I, I Obviously, sixteen deflated. It, it it failed to live up to the hype in terms of what what the show wanted it to be. Yeah. Uh. So, but also like, we all expected that. Yeah. I mean, so I also appreciate. I think the show's better too. It's only focusing on two Gundam pilots as well. Yeah. I do appreciate that it's not jumping from pilot to pilot. Mm-hmm. I kind of like how I haven't seen some of those. I mean, I, I like some of those other pilots, but not all of them. But I kind of like how we just focused on Hero and Troa, even though there wasn't really any growth. I felt. The show was a little more focused that way. So not so I like not every character needs an arc. Not everybody needs to change or grow or anything like that necessarily. But these two characters are identical, and the show does not feel obligated to to characterize either of them. And so it makes it. Even though I agree with you, I agree that sticking with these two pilots has been digestible, and they're sometimes even fun it's just that they're both boring yeah and and like it, it's they they do some work on that in 15 when troa does some 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 circus shit but it's not enough we i i would like to know does troa like coffee you know does troa he, he doesn't like rain because he was hit by thunder magic once when a fiend attacked him on the on the beach uh you know like the 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 it's that sort of thing that we should be spending our time doing, really. Like, it, it's the as much as I appreciate uh, uh, Atroa getting away on an Akira bike in a, in a pretty fun sort of like action scene, it, it doesn't like it doesn't tell me anything about Troa, and it makes me wonder why he's in the show. Like, something that I was thinking about was how how much it might have worked better. To have Zex just be the the perspective character, mm-hmm. um, and to have not met the Gundam pilots for a very long time, like I, it would have been like, what if episode ten was the reveal of Hero? Like it doesn't work. From you wouldn't the, be able to stretch down to forty nine. It would be like a twenty six episode series, w- but I could see that. Like it wouldn't work insofar as the Relina story goes, right? Like that. Like that's where like it, we need to have met at least one of the pilots. Um, but it made me wonder, like, what is the what? What do we get from knowing any of the pilots here? Because n- nothing right now. It's just striking, and how much we are expected at this point to be into the show, and and know nothing about the the primary characters of it. So I think that that kind of brings us to the end of this this particular recording. Uh, I think we're. Uh, at this point, you expect us to be covering the, the next three episodes. Yeah. At this point, uh, from this point on, unless we come into something that will. Well, I mean, we're gonna have, we're gonna have to have a hard decision, hard discussion about about math uh, because That's true. you know 17, 18, 19, 20 to twenty two. Oh, and then then Lisa's four episodes. Yeah. I mean, folks, math is dangerous. Don't always do math at home. Right. Uh, be careful. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll... But certainly 17 through 19, I expect right now, will be our next batch yeah. that will deliver fresh from the oven. As always, if there are any updates insofar as what we will be covering in any individual episodes, you will be able to find them at our Mechanations Twitter at... At Mechanations Pod. 
And so, you know, check that out there. Make sure you'll see some memes. You'll see some, uh, you know, some some discussion sometimes, some reactions. Uh, anything else we wanted to close out on before we uh, wrap this up? Any uh, any closing thoughts? Any any hopes and dreams? Any? Not really. I mentioned on the Discord that I, as down as I am on the show, and trust me, as you well know, I am down on the show, it's become a part of my weekly routine to the point where I'm gleaning and experience a perverse satisfaction from watching it yeah um uh uh you, you know to to jump off of that i uh i i really want to I, I like it's i struggle to talk about this show i feel like there's there's uh, there other shows that it's very easy for me to get my mind around and and there's a part of me that is like relishes the challenge of this particular show because it's not a it's it's not like a complicated smart show (laughs) it's not that it's it so like the fact that i'm having trouble with it in this regard like something you know to to pull back the curtain a little bit something i've been working on is a is a trope segment i wanted to have a, a segment where i dig into a trope used in the show and i explain you know some of the more popular versions of that trope and like it's hard to do with Gundam Wing, not because it doesn't use tropes, but because the way it engages with those tropes is baffling. It's so slipshod. It's it's yeah, slipshod is a good way of putting it. I don't mean to be negative. PMC, what what about you? Did you have any? I think I'm I'm mostly still suffering from this intense disconnect or this sort of cognitive dissonance that I watched a lot of this show and I don't remember. I mean, I, I know I've been saying that constantly. I said that last week and comparing, you know. Around the same time I was watching this, I was watching Dragon Ball Z, and I remember all those arcs. Yeah, yeah. And I do not remember this show, and 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 it continues to baffle me every week. And and like I can tell you, you know, without throwing shade on either show, like Dragon Ball's not good either. It's not good, <laughs> like, but it's simple, I guess. It, it, it's there was the way that they they handled that script was a a a just more straightforward like right they just felt- i mean they still had some weird things you know the goku's super scientist father is a famous example of course but you know it's he was a brilliant scientist yeah brilliant no, scientist it's it's yeah no i i I, I think that it, it, it can come off you know uh, to to an audience listening in to us that we are we're like, oh, fuck this. We hate this. I, I can't believe someone is making us do this. And, of course, no one's making us yeah. do this thing. Meanwhile, next week, join us for episodes 17, 18, and 19. Yeah, exactly. Know, right? uh, but we're, we, not only are we, are we having fun, but there, I, I, at least, I'm sort of getting into the challenge of wrapping my head around it. It's, it is interesting to, be, to have shoved in my face an example of, of media that is just struggling to say anything at all, you know. Um, but it's it's been fun at least. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm having fun. Um, so I I think that'll wrap it up uh, for uh, Mechanations. I am Ignis Maddox, Stephen Hero, Glory to the Colonies. <laughs> I'm PMC Trilogy. I will be stronger the next time you fight me. Oh yeah, we're going to space. <laughs> yes. Oh shit, we've got some four Tauruses in space and shit. All right, see you guys next week for seventeen, eighteen, and nineteen. Talky short ribs. <laughs>